So I set my alarm at like 5 a.m. this morning, bleary-eyed as hell, thinking, okay, I'll be ready to go. I'm setting it for 8.15 a.m. I look at it this morning after Matt wakes me up, and I'm like, God damn it, I set it for 8.15 p.m. <laughs> at one point, I was a little scared that, you know, like, I was going to walk into his house and he was going to be dead. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just killed himself. <laughs> I killed himself. Either that or somebody who, like, there was like a home invasion. Yeah, this is America. I didn't think kill himself. He, he's too much self-absorbed to actually kill himself. So, <laughs> like, you're so depressed after watching Scum. Oh. Just complacent. Save it, save it, save it, save it. Keep the powder dry on that one, Andy. Keep the powder uh, dry. Yeah. Let's get started. Yeah, let's um, get our dicks out and go. <laughs> yeah, I'm upset. Guess it's already out. His dicks, his dicks been out for an hour. It's okay. You can have it out if you want. <laughs> Not all day. Not all day. Yeah, it's the only way to keep it aired out, guys. Thanks again for. Uh, putting up with us being uh, late and everything, and here we go. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Garbage people. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, sleazy, cruel. regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world will be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hawks and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I am fresh from the wrong side of the bed this morning as we are recording on a Saturday to be able to accommodate our guest. Sitting outside freezing in his car and now finally in here and somewhat warmed up is Matt. I really thought I was going to walk into like, you know, a break-in gone wrong. You're dead. Your cat's eating you already. Uh, that's how break-ins would go in yeah. the Casa de Psyops. They would go horribly <laughs> wrong. Horribly wrong. Like, and I'm not even saying the break-in was successful. Like, everyone's dead. The guy's breaking in. You, the only people left alive are the cats and they're eating you. <laughs> and the wife escaped. She was gone. Yeah, yeah, Bev escaped and, he, and she just didn't bother telling me that I was walking into a whorehouse there. Whorehouse? Whorehouse. <laughs> Whore footage. Whore footage. <laughs> uh, and also waiting extremely patient for us, patiently for us across the pond, a very gentle soul, a very kind man. With his dick out, apparently. With his dick out, apparently, yeah, as he said yeah. at the beginning he of the show. He was ready. And also, he is a specimen of a man. If you've ever seen photos of him on Facebook, yeah. oh my gosh. It's, I have to check this out. It's the very dead sexy Andy Blockley. How's it going, buddy? How you doing, guys? I'm ready to give 110, nay, 130% oh, today. Oh, vicious. Oh, oh, oh brutal. Damn. <laughs> He's going to give 130% to you today. After that intro I give him, and he comes out <laughs> swinging with he that does, one. Man. God, I liked it. Yeah. Way to go, Andy. <laughs> you, you, Thank you. You know you're 
maths, dude. You know that's not possible. You're just baiting me now. You know what? Because he's going to give 130, I'm going to give 150% today. Fuck you. Okay, so if you guys are going to go that far overboard, I'm going to give exactly 75%. Well, yeah, that will even it out. <laughs> See, now this I believe. I can be giving less effort, so therefore you yeah, have to pick up the to, slack. You have to give more effort. For all of you. I can totally believe that. Yeah. I mean, but there's no way you're going to give less effort than me. I'm totally lying. There's no way I'm giving 150%. There's, you've never even given 50% no, your whole I life. haven't. <laughs> My whole entire life I've been given, I don't know, average out about 30-35%. That's like I was talking online where I'm like, oh man, I'm giving low effort. I do all this stuff. And then one of my wife's friends was like, I've been to your house. I've seen what you do whenever you're trying to prepare for things. If that's you at low effort, I'm kind of a little scared. <laughs> and I wrote back, what if I told you it really was? No, no, no. We probably both give a high effort, but we get winded really easily. We give a high effort for a short amount of time. <laughs> for small bursts. For small bursts. All right, Andy, before we move on, let the folks know the various projects that you're currently working on and where they can find you online with those. My house is my current project. I'm renovating it morning, noon, and night. Um, that's pretty much it. I've not really got anything going on at the minute. I've removed myself from Facebook. I just can't be fucking doing with it. I'm on Messenger, obviously. Um, but that's it. I'm not really online. Um, and we're not really doing any shows. I will urge people, as this is kind of relevant, um, to check out Doing the Nasty that I did with Duncan McLeish. Because uh, that was a pretty good show. And uh, this film's kind of relevant because it got caught up in the whole Video Nasties debacle uh, back in the 80s. Um, so, yeah, not too much promotion for me, to be honest. Um, I don't do a lot apart from this fucking house, which is like a money pit. Just in case you didn't think he was sexy enough, folks, the man renovates his own house. That's awesome. Yeah. Jesus. You're a fucking catch, Andy. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, I am. I've, got, I've made about £200 worth of mistakes on the bathroom. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and fellas. He's taken. <laughs> Sorry, anyone that may be interested yeah. in Andy. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> I taken. said ladies and fellas, you know. There's more than that. Oh, yes. You're right. More, yeah. Way more. Than... Sorry, Cinema PsyOps, it's a progressive show. We are very progressive. We're inclusive. You made a 200-pound mistake on the bathroom? No, it was a, it's a number of different mistakes. When I kind of sat down and worked it out, it totaled around 200 pounds. Um, but I worked out that I probably saved myself about four or 5,000 pounds by doing it myself compared to getting an electrician, a plumber, a tiler, and all that you know plasterer um so not too bad i've only it's only the second bathroom i've ever done um and it's fucking doing my head in i've been doing it for about three months just at the weekends um I'm pretty fed up of it, to be honest. It's nice to have a little break and do a little podcast just so I'm not pissing around doing that. But no, it's all good. We moved into this new house in like July and it's, um, to call it a fixer-upper is a bit of an understatement. A bit of a fucking mess. As long as you're not finding bodies in the walls, it's always able to be fixed. <laughs> not in it. I found a really fucking weird crawl space with like a little wardrobe in it, like hidden behind the walls when we first moved in. And my missus made me board it up because she's like the board that kind of fell away and she thought weird shit was going on in the house when the board had fallen away. You have a homeless and then, person living with you. I'm telling you that right now. No, it's Klaus Kinski from uh, Crawl Space, <laughs> oh, the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be. Have you guys seen that film Freehold? I think it's called Two Pigeons in America. No. I have not. No. Like a, it's a British film about this guy and basically when he, um, he lives in like an apartment I think in London and when he goes to work some like seven foot tall skinny weird guy kind of emerges from like between the walls and just starts fucking with him while he's at work. And uh, the fucking gets like progressively worse where he kind of like ruins his job, ruins his relationship. It's a pretty cool film. You should check it out. <laughs> a weird, lanky, seven foot tall man living in your walls. Yeah, he's, he's kind of made his 
fear of being like a little like lanky weird guy. Apparently, he played like the creature in Mama. Um, Makes sense. He was in, yeah, he was in Witching and Bitching. Um, if, if they just need like a little skinny weird fella, he goes, yeah, me. Then I'll be a man. He's like a taller Doc Jones, basically. <laughs> without that, the, without... That's exactly what McLeish said. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's the Spanish Doug Jones, this guy. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. We, were really jo- need to rest. we were joking about this off mic as I was getting stuff ready for you, Andy. We were saying that you were going to probably try and tell us to get into shape if you could see how we looked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My missus said that you look like a handsome Viking. Oh, hey, I'm, ass- I'm assuming me, not, not Matt. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, from your uh, messenger photo. She went, oh, wow, because she keeps going on about this Viking show that we should watch. And she went, he, he looks like a handsome Viking. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I'm just a two Tell by four. That. There's nothing, nothing <laughs> sexy about a two by four unless you're hacks on Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing. I'm blushing yeah, right now. Being, yeah. I'm, Face red. Yeah, I'm being told I'm, I'm a sexy Viking. Stop <laughs> masturbating already. I can't. That's what the dicks are all out yeah, for. Yeah, dicks out. Now, speaking about nothing but a room full of dicks out, we're going to be talking about a burstal this week. Did I pronounce that right? Borstal, is that right? Borstal, yeah. Borstal, okay. Basically like juvenile hall, isn't it? Yeah, we, re- we refer to them as reform schools or juvenile hall over yeah. here, but it's the same thing yeah. where it's a... Juvie. Yeah. Now, it's particularly a boys reform school, as we would refer to it over here. And this film is from 1979 this week. It's kind of a cinematic trauma and it's also kind of we're continuing with the phobias for November. Yeah, Although, I can see how this could be a phobia. I, I will freely admit that I think that Andy and I are kind of stretching it just to get him on the show. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll find a way to turn this into a Listen, November phobia. He is an attractive British man. We don't need to stretch it that much. People will enjoy the show. <laughs> And he's got a good voice. So yeah, there we go. Exactly. I'm saying. Yeah. No, we're going to be closing out November talking about scum from 1979. And the first thing I thought of was I think it's agoraphobia, where if you're in a place where you can't leave and there's a constant threat around you all the time, this would be a place where. Yeah, I could. Pris- I, prison you, would be. Yeah, yeah, you get that feeling. And let's face it, every free being in their deepest, darkest recesses of their mind, no matter who you are, you're terrified of being imprisoned. Yeah. Whether you actually did something wrong or. The you're, worst would be if you were innocent in prison. Yeah, if you're getting railroaded. Yeah. Which apparently happens way more than what anyone wants to think. A lot. <laughs> Are you poor? Yeah. You're going to jail at some point in your life. You can't pay your debts. You can't afford a lawyer to get you out of it, no matter what you did. You could literally just go jaywalking and get six months in jail while, like, some billionaire steals billions of more dollars from other people and he gets, like, probation for a year. Or commits sexual assault yes. across a bunch of women. Yeah, and, and then nothing happens. He becomes president. Yeah. <laughs> because he's got the money. Uh-huh. Nothing happens. And the then. power. Because when you're a star, they let you do it. Yeah, they let you. You just sometimes you can't control yourself. You just gotta kiss them <laughs> and have Tic Tacs, the cheapest mints of all time. Bucker's yeah. rich and he gets the cheapest mints of all time. Tic Tacs. <laughs> all right, are you done? Yeah. It's because they're the same color as him. Oh God. The same With shade the of orange. orange. <laughs> Those are even mints. Those are candy. Those do nothing for your breath. All yeah. right. But anyway, that's my idea of why. I think scum will fit in November because I don't care who you are. The idea of being locked up, being told constantly what you can and cannot do and being held in basically with a bunch of people that are the lower end of society, like rapists, murderers, and thugs of all sorts. There's going to be plenty of people in there that are not innocent. No, yeah. That deserve to be in there, whether you are innocent or not. everyone still deserves to be treated like a human being. I'm not saying that. Yeah. What I'm saying is 
the situation of being locked in with those kind of people. Yeah, that's nerve wracking. Yeah. So that alone just made me pucker up and start to think, uh, nope, nope, nope. So as far as I'm concerned, I think that fits, Matt. Yes, I think so. Is that, I, I definitely thought so. Is that what we'll run with, Andy? How's that feel? Yeah, I mean, I'm mainly scared of the savage beatings, um, <laughs> ritualistic authoritarian abuse and the rape, kind of. Kind of? Um, kind of? Wait, what do you mean, kind of? That's definitely something well, you should well, be Well, if he about. was really cute, maybe it would... <laughs> I mean, I just saw his Facebook profile. So nice, yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying the assailant. Oh, the assailant was really with cute. the right approach. It yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't. It was. It's the unwanted advances yeah. that you're. Yeah, yeah some candles. You know, a nice meal. <laughs> <laughs> right, get some soft poetry read to you. you yeah, why not? You know, I'm saying like some of that prison poetry. It happens. <laughs> it's gonna be a weird one today. Yeah, this is gonna be a strange show. We're, we're gonna get a lot of clips out of this show. I just get a feeling a lot of sound bites are coming out of this. Nope. November is going to be a soundbite month. I'm going to have yeah. to go back through each individual episode and yeah. pull the stuff out. Yeah. Because I've really literally not had the we time to do it. We need a lot of clips from him just so we could hear his voice continuously <laughs> in future shows. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because this film is, for me, like equally as compelling as well as terrifying. Like, it's weird. I, I enjoy watching the movie, but then, is you know, towards the last sort of 20 minutes, I feel my viewing pleasure is well and truly tainted. And then I just kind of sit there as the credits roll and I'm feeling like I've been raped up the arse a little bit it's that brutal yeah not in a good way (laughs) not in a good way (laughs) that's definitely something that we're gonna have to let's just say get into yeah Mm. all right so instead of just beating around the bush about the film let's take a little bit of a break we're gonna play a promo for another podcast and we'll have a little bit of music and when we come back we will do the trailer from scum i just i'm bored what plaything can you offer me today an obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait, you see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell-Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hell-Ming. Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance?
course, it would not be Cinema PsyOps if I didn't play punk. That's true. And it would also not or, be Cinema PsyOps if I didn't have, you know. Or Hillbilly or Rockabilly. Rockabilly or Psychobilly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Psychobilly. There you go. It, it would also not be Cinema PsyOps if I didn't play songs that were anti-authority, yes. anti-establishment. I know. And this movie totally lends it to that. Uh, it really does. <laughs> and this is literally the only like prison-ish song that I had other than like a Thin Lizzy's Jailbreak, which really isn't about breaking out of jail. Yeah, it's it's weird. you think there'd be more prison break songs well, in our country. Well, I have an ACDC prison break <laughs> <Yeah>. somewhere, <laughs> but not, not on my iTunes that I can yeah. pull out. But this one actually says Borstal, which we're, we're talking about, yes. so there we go. There we go. Hey, <laughs> it all works out in the end. Uh, weird phrasing. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know what works out in my end, Matt? <laughs> What's that? This trailer. Hey! Scum was a television play about being inside, but you weren't allowed to see it. Now Scum has been made into a major motion picture, but you're not allowed to see certain scenes in this trailer. Scum is a film that will stun you. It has already stunned the critics. It is a scorchingly fine film. I cannot remember the last time I saw a British film so confident in the courage of its convictions. The Sunday Telegraph. Brilliantly made. A remarkably courageous film with outstanding performances. Now magazine. A hard-hitting, well-made film. The Sunday Mirror. A lot of rough male humor around. Some of it very funny indeed. The Daily Mail. An important film. One which should be seen. The Sun. The critics have already decided. Now you can decide. Scum. It's a story of survival. All right, I just I want to talk about the Daily Mail quote. Yeah, there. The, the Daily Very Mail. Very funny indeed. Very funny. <laughs> Some rather rough male humor going around. The boys are having a bit of a joke while they're butt raping one of their friends there. Very funny indeed. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with the guy in the Daily Mail review? The Daily Mail's always been kind of fucked up. Did he watch this movie? Or th- or did he just say, uh, a bunch of boys in the bus? I'm sure it's there. just a bunch of boys uh, at a rowdy time. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> chip, chip, cheerio. Okay, sorry about our terrible yeah, British know, accents right? there. Sorry about this. I'm just defending oh, myself. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, if at we got At least we didn't go like total cockney. Go, hey, governor. Hey, that, you're not Dick Van Dyke. You uh, knocked that off right now. God know, damn it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Do I have to get drunk, take a time machine, fist fight him too? <laughs> yeah, I can't do a Dick Van Dyke. I, can't, yeah, I mean, I can't pull him out of time. Yeah. <laughs> no impressions going on in Cinema Psyops. No, no. Not at all. All. <laughs> all real. Don't shatter the illusion, motherfucker. I'm trying not to. <laughs> Speaking of illusions being shattered, let's get into scum. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the film opens up on a prison transport bus jam-packed with teen boys. And by jam-packed, I mean there's, there's four, four of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's still far too many boys to be going to prison. Yes. Or, yes. or a barstool or reform yeah. school or, or whatever. Yeah. We need to, we, whatever they're doing. We really need to limit the amount of kids getting sent away. These young gentlemen. They, there's still help for them. But yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, they are shipped off to a barstool. And like we already talked about, that's a reform school here in the States. We are introduced to our main character. I don't want to call him the hero of the film. He's just kind of the one that we're following the most. And his name is Carlin. And 
And since uh, Carlin endorsed some pretty rough treatment right off the bat, I made that our first clip. <laughs> Get up straight, boy. Attention. Name and number. 4737 Carlin, sir. Well, this is the daddy. The hard case. Carlin, is it? Is it? Yes, sir. Don't look much to me, Carlin. You're the little toe rag of thump the officer at Rowley. Fancy yourself, dear Carlin. Thumping officers, eh? Oh, we check it. Speak when I tell you that. Oh, they sent you down here to be sorted out. You have heard of us, Carlin, eh? Heard of us, have you? Yes, sir. And what did you hear? Nothing, sir. Well, I'll tell you here and now, lad, that nothing was not the correct information, because we're having your stinking hooligan guts for garters, right? Yes, sir. Mm. Pick it up. I said pick it up. Name and number. 4737. Carlin, sir. Get him out of there. Now, Carlin, move it. Go on over there. You, eat. Hey, stand up straight, boy. And before that, we actually saw a black kid being handled rather roughly as yes. well. So when you see what happened to Carlin, yeah. you kind of know what was going to happen to the poor kid that went in before him. And to oh, the yeah. people at home, the uh, the mm! noise was the correctional officer grabbing Carlin by the testicles. And punching him in the guts. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is pretty brutal, really. I mean, the whole thing of it is he's been transferred, hasn't he, from a, a, a different ball stool um, for hitting an officer. Obviously, he's apparently retaliated. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why he's there, and was the daddy at the previous place, which is kind of uh, the top, the top guy, you know, the the shot caller kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, that would probably be the term for it. I don't, I don't really foresee it being anything differently, considering what the daddy ends up being when we find out what that person is that's in this particular borstal. So, yeah, I guess it's just a matter of terms, you know, because I don't know, like if you're watching Orange is the New Black, you know, the mother is usually the the oldest of the group or the one that's in charge and everybody else follows her and they call yeah. her mom. Yeah. And so it stands to reason that the one in charge here is the daddy, but it has a more nastier connotation to it than the mother. Yes, it kind of does. <laughs> like, uh, pretty much uh what these kids know as daddy is what daddy becomes in the <laughs> in the reform school that they're in and yeah the the beating is pretty brutal it's right off the bat like i mean they grab his testicles yeah i mean they punch him in the gut a few times you, you just don't grab a man of the pills it's not cricket he's getting bashed in the solar plexus he's getting his nads gnashed really yeah. bad with some hands and then they force him to stand back up and hold his shit yeah pick it up when really all you want to do is just like just watching you it just, i wanted to buckle up in the floor your, you just want to hold your testicles for a little bit, make sure everything's okay. I'd quite like to go home if that's possible. Can I go home? <laughs> yeah, that you've you've had a go at me. Can I leave now, please? <laughs> Listen, I think I served my time with you grabbing my testicles. Clip. Clip. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so they force him to stand up even though he's beaten, and as we heard, he then gets tossed into the hall, and then they cut from that to the three boys that we are kind of following throughout the film. It's Carlin, and uh, I can't remember the other two kids. Yeah, names. I I'm get lost with names in I'm British movies. I, that, that, this one said, I'm but, terrible with names in real it, life yeah, and in movies. Same here. But I yeah, nickname people until I find I get, out their name. It's probably because I'm dumb, but I really do get lost in British movies a lot more than any other movies. I'm just like, in the middle of it, like, I, I know the main guy Guy, but everyone else is just kind of so a little bit of culture shock maybe yeah, i think so probably okay. i'm just not used to it you know at least you freely admit it yeah at least you're not like you know your average dumb american that's like i don't get it yeah no i i fully understand that <laughs> yeah i just i think it's a 
it's probably the it is the the dialect that you know over there it's so much different from you know ours it's kind of hard to keep everything straight for me i will do my best to explain everything that happened for you okay so it'll be like you're watching the movie all over again oh my god because lord knows i want that yeah it's gonna be a very enjoyable experience (laughs) yeah i know right (laughs) thank you it's inevitable matt lie back and enjoy it (laughs) so we're back in prison (laughs) yes (laughs) in the greenhouse Not yet, not yet, not yet. Save it, save it, save it. Save save it. (laughs) All right, so they cut to the boys being forced to run at a breakneck pace. And after having their testicles all squeezed, I'm assuming, and guts punched in, this may not be a very fun experience for them. They're led to their new dormitory, and they are forced to run up the stairs holding all of their shit. And then they are introduced to the senior officer for their particular dormitory. And because it's an introduction, and because I don't want to write out everything that he has to say, guess what? What time it is, Matt? Clip time? Yeah, that's right. That's Woo. our next clip. Right. I'm Mr. Sands. This is Mr. Greaves. I'm the senior officer, and I run a wing. I run it. Right, Carlin? Yes, sir. Come down heavy, very heavy on anyone who doesn't grasp that fact. Right? Right! Yes, sir. Oh, Angel, you're in a single room. Some of the lads here can be what you might call prejudiced, and you're well advised to keep yourself to yourself. It's your first ball still in it, lad? Yes, sir. Apart from the scrubs. Well, forget the scrubs. The holiday's over. Move! Davis, you were fool enough to run away from an open ball and you'll very soon be wishing you were back there. You're in a single room. And move! Move it! Carlin, you're in a dormitory. And move! That's it! In there! On the left. That's yours, Carlin. You know the ropes and you know why you're here. I'll jump on you from a great height if you so much as breathe. Got that? Yes, sir. There's a lad, big lad, called Pongo in that bed. He heard you were coming. Now grab that bumper and get to work on this floor. I want to shave in it. Carlin, we don't leave our bed space in that condition in here. Make up your bed pack and put your gear away. On the double! Next time you're on report... Okay, we already see the abuse continues. Now it's oh, yeah. mop the floor. What the hell you think you're doing? Take care of your bed. And he tosses the shit off the bed too. Yeah, right yeah. after he tells him, or right before he tells him to do it. That's basically they're everything that they're trying to do. They're trying to break Carlin down. They're trying to put him back in his place because he was the one boy who stood up and and was actually well, he punched out a guard at his last place. Yeah, and they make it sound like he didn't just hit the guard. It makes it sound like he kicked the shit out of the guard. Yeah, and all of these men. I mean, these are boys, and apparently he they're not fully grown yet. Kid running the place he know, was the daddy with, yeah, where he, he was came the daddy from daddy where he came from so and i'm assuming they really try to let him know that you're, you're nothing here yeah i'm assuming that the place that he came from may not have been as vicious and uh old school as this one yeah i think um it might have just been like a normal i bet, I bet this is like the maximum security yeah maximum yeah. security because he even says you know what have you heard about us you've heard about us yeah and he goes well, he goes, what have you heard? Nothing. He goes, well, nothing wasn't the right answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, this is kind of where they probably send the really fucking bad kids because the other guy, um, they said to me, you were stupid enough to run away from an open ball stool. Now, that's one where you can basically, like, come and go. Um, as you Not as you please, you know, you still have to stay there, but you can leave, basically, and you can come back. Yeah, they have open prisons in the UK as well for, like, really minor offences. So Davis was stupid enough to run away um, from one of those ball stools. In the, in the alternate version of this movie, you kind of see him running away and getting caught and kind of dragged back by the ear um so that's probably the biggest mistake that poor fucker 
ever made because Which, now he's in this one. Once again, it's just kind of what leads the film to be what it is. It does feel like a documentary. There's a few times where you get some cinematic shots where they do some camera movements or they'll do some things to focus in on certain stuff. But for the most part, the camera is very cold and detached for every shot. And it just feels like almost they're making you a person just standing there living through this with them. And mm. you, I found myself while watching it, even at this point where we're this earlier in the film, noticing that the camera is very static and just following things around. And it's almost like you're there and you're just trying to make a go of living this life yourself as a as a viewer. And mm. you just start trying to stay on the periphery and ha- hope nobody notices you while they're treating everybody else like this. Yeah. I got yeah. that sensation. I actually started feeling like that. In a place like this, you want to disappear. Yeah. You do not want to stand out one way or another. Yeah. You want to do your time quietly and you yeah. don't want anyone to notice you. That's yeah. something that it's gets repeated several times throughout yes. the film. So you, you're absolutely right there, Matt. And a lot yeah, of prison I mean, movies, they're like that. People just, I just want to do my time. Yeah. But there's actually some people that are being told, just do your time quietly. Yes. Uh, you know, and you'll be out of here. Yeah. And just stay yeah. off the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a sort of a friend of a friend who had done a bit of time in like one of these places, not as bad as this, because um, Borstals were kind of outlawed after this movie, by the way, um, because this brought into the public eye what happened in Borstals. People just kind of thought it was these places that kind of naughty kids went to get rehabilitated. Um, and the guy that wrote this movie spent a lot of time talking to people in Borstals, and pretty much every single thing in this that happens in this movie is based on a, an, an account that he's had from people that are in these places. Um, and this guy that I was speaking to, he said, when you go into like an adult prison, as long as it's not these like horrendous ones that you see in the like documentaries in America, you know, like the, the really fucking maximum security places. Most adult guys in prison have got a wife and they've got kids and they just want to fucking get on with it. They don't want any trouble. They just want to fucking do their time. You know, like the cliche says, you know, just want to keep my head down, do my time. But apparently in these kind of places, these stools, everyone wants to make a name for themselves. Everyone's looking to like get their reputation. You know, they've gone in and, and you're going to get so much more trouble in these places. People want to fight. People are constantly wanting to prove how fucking tough they are. And for me, that's terrifying because I'm not a fighter. I can't fight. So the, the, the thought of being kind of thrown in somewhere where I have to have a fight with someone. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's, uh, it's kind of a strange thing that you brought it up and put it that way because you get that feeling that the teen boys, if they are going to be lifelong criminals, they need to start a rap at some point. They need to get a name for themselves to do whatever work they're going to do when they're out. And yeah. what, what better place to get a rep than to prove, you know, you're the top dog or you're the top guy in yeah, jail. Yeah. You're, you're the fighter. You're the, you're the man to go to. You're the daddy of this board. So, so therefore you're going to be the next heavy that we I'll need. Be, I'll be daddy when I get out too, you know, yeah. take over whatever I else I have there. And for those of That's us it. that grew up in environments of uh, schools that had the same kind of flavor to it, where there was a bean boy always trying to prove himself and be a top dog and be Mr. Macho and constantly picking fights with people to try and prove that, you know, he probably was not gay or yeah. <laughs> whatever weird shit he had going on in his head that he couldn't deal with. Exactly. I, I wasn't forced to stay there, but like my high school years, this is what the boys acted like. Like towards each other minus the rape but constantly going at each other and like trying to be all badass and having a go all the time yeah and see it must have been different because it wasn't like that in my high school it, it, like during my later years in high school it wasn't a whole lot of I'd going at one another and violence or anything like that oh yeah well a lot of shit talking that's about it it but, was it was just part of it where it yeah. was like I joke about it now but it was literally like meet me at the flagpole at three o'clock when school is over now there was a lot more I thought physical violence when I was in like middle school Almost like that was the jockeying point for kids. Oh, really? 
to try and prove who they yeah, are. Yeah, before high school. Pretty much from like sixth grade on for me. Like that's what school was like. For me, it was like sixth grade to like, all the way probably to like my freshman year of high school. Then things started evening out like yeah. your sophomore year. Like, and, like I said, it's nowhere near an actual reform school. No. But what I'm getting but, at is in these institutions. But yeah, the, you're locked in there together. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you're locked in there for eight hours together yeah. for school. You have you to go. Leave. You're legally you bound to go. To go. Yeah. And every institution has a it certain level of this type of thing that happens. If we want to use the allegory, like we're talking about Borstals versus prisons, yeah. like by that point, when you're at the end of your run, when you're in your last two years of school, uh-huh. you're not caring about what people think anymore. You're not really that interested in trying to make a position because you've already made it those other years leading up to that. And you're looking to move on. You're looking to get out. So you just want to keep your head down yeah. and do your time quietly. Yes. And get, get to the next level now, of, free, of what is, because everyone looks yeah. at college as freedom. Like I said, now I'm not going to try and equate it directly, but that's the way institutions work in our society. Why am I so anti-establishment and why do I hate institutions so much? Because they are breeding grounds for this kind of activity. Yeah. Whenever you force people to be in the same place with each other for that many hours a day, whether it's constantly where they have to eat, sleep, and shit there, or it's eight hours of schooling, you're going to have this kind of reaction. Yes. And if you don't have the right establishment in charge of the institution, it's just going to become a worse breeding ground. And we're going to dig into that a little bit too. All right. So we see a group of the inmates being marched in cold weather. One of the boys is completely barefoot and the man in charge starts talking to an inmate who is named Banks and he's basically giving him the skinny on the three new boys and it sounds a whole lot to me like he's going we've got three new guys in the dorm you're going to have at them like he's not only giving him the okay he's telling him he has to well especially the one the main one yeah well Carlin they're after for sure yeah but the institutionalized racism they're all after Angel just because Angel's black yeah oh my god and he got assigned to him are bad yeah and it seems like he got assigned to the quote unquote wrong dorm because it looks like they have a segregation in their dorms. Yeah. Well, he even warns them during the initial lineup at the beginning, he even warns them there's a bit of prejudice problems here, so you might want to watch yourself. Yeah, you might want to keep your head down and do your time quietly and make yourself disappear. Because there's a bit of a prejudice problem. Could you try really hard to not be the skin color you are while you're here? (laughs) Listen, (laughs) if if you can't, I don't know if it's possible, if you can, change color because it's going to help you in prison. You'll have a much better time in here, mate, if you can. If you can. (laughs) Are you like a chameleon? Could you be less black? Because if you could do that, then you'll be okay. You're going to get through life pretty good here. But if you can't do it, well, I guess things suck for you because we're not going to do anything about it. That's pretty much what he says. It's exactly what he says. (laughs) Just not so uh, eloquent and humorous. Yes, right. All right. So we go back to Carlin and he gets the stink eye from all of these kids, including Banks and his little group of uh, miscreants at lunch when they're eating the meal. I'm guessing it's lunch. It's just the next meal. You You don't really like that's one of the things this film does really well. Yeah. You have no fucking clue what time of day it is until they're forced to go to bed. Exactly. You have no idea what meal they're eating because they're eating the same slop every fucking meal practically. You really don't know. You can't see the outside to know like, you know, midday. You don't see the sun. You get a lot of these boys' perspectives. So it's just the next meal. That's all you know. Yep. And he ends up sitting down and talking with the shoeless boy, which I don't know his name yet, so I keep referring to him as shoeless. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's just how it's going to go. As they're kind of cleaning up their boots and everything, he's washing his feet. And he's a vegetarian and he will not wear leather and it's a matter of principle and the dude actually sounds pretty hard as nails because he's been marching along in the cold weather for who knows how long without even bothering putting on socks or anything else he's just not going to wear shoes as a matter of protest because he doesn't want to wear leather he gives zero fucks about it as well now i kind of get the inclination through
through following this character later that he's not so much not wearing leather as a matter of principle. I think he won't wear leather as a matter of just to fuck with the people in charge. I think so. I think he's Yeah, I mean, with... I don't even think he's vegetarian, is he? He's, uh, he's just saying that just to be a dick, I think. <laughs> and forcing them to adjust how he can eat and everything and just trying to be yeah. a thorn on their side. I yeah. kind of got that feeling, too, a little bit. But at the same time, this particular character, as we learn more about him, you kind of wonder if maybe this is kind of who he is, but he's pushing it forward just because he wants to be a thorn in their side. He's a strange one, isn't he? Because as we find out later on, um, he's more than happy to do, I mean, apparently the most you can do in a Borstal is two years. And he's quite happy to do the full two years as long as he gets to do it his way, which is being a dick. I think he's probably my favorite character, but why are you being a dick when you could be out in 12 months or maybe less, you know, like if you just toe the line, but he won't, you know, he, uh, he says he's Christ, doesn't he, at the last place, and then the new place is atheist, he says he's vegetarian, then he says he's going to go Hindu, and then he's going to turn Muslim. It's like, mate, like, I fucking think you're great, but, you know, why are you doing this? Like, do you fucking want to be here? I understand why he's doing what he's doing. I don't think it'd be for me. I think I just want to get out of there as quick as possible. I think it is for this particular character, the shoeless kid, it's a matter of principle. And yeah, the fact, really. I think the fact that he won't budge makes him more hard as nails to me than anybody else in the film because he doesn't have to prove who he is through violence. He proves yeah. who he is through not giving a fuck and not letting them keep him down regardless of what they do to him. And that's yeah. why I particularly gravitated towards him. Now, this friendly conversation that the shoeless kid is having with Carlin is interrupted by Banks, who apparently is Mr. Alpha Male Daddy. And he proves this by picking the smallest kid out of that group and slapping him around a bit and giving him some shit. I can't remember what it is he said he had to give up. I, I don't remember what it was, but he said that once a week he owes them something. Was it a dessert or something? I couldn't tell. Something like that. Yeah, I didn't really catch what it was, and it might have been some type of particular thing that I've never heard of, but they basically are telling him that once a week he owes them something, whatever it is, I don't know. And then we see Carlin given a heads up by this particular shoeless kid that he's got a target on his back because they know he was the daddy in his last institution and that this particular guy, Banks, that just went through is going to try and prove himself by breaking Carlin and turning him into one of his lackeys or basically putting him down because you can never ever show a single sign of weakness in any of these kind of institutions. <laughs> they cut from this to some inmates playing snooker, right? That was snooker? Uh, yeah, pool, snooker, billiards. <laughs> it didn't, they didn't look like they didn't look like normal pool balls to me because we didn't see the didn't have the numbers and things like that. So that's why I'm assuming and they were look they look smaller than uh pool balls from what I could tell. Yeah, but yeah. some kind of billiards though. Yeah, right. Yeah. It had sticks. It had balls. Yep. It was a good time for Matt. <laughs> Prick. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's also a ping pong table there, and then it sounds like there may be other games. It's some type of a game room, but you at least see two very prominent things, a ping pong table and a snooker or billiard table of some sort. And then we see Banks goes to cause further problems for Angel, the character that's just showing up with his goons. They beat the ever-loving shit out of him and then walk off before the guard shows up to harass poor Angel and deride the poor boy with... Uh, I know I make the joke all the time about the... Uh, the, the British guy that's in authority always coming in at the last second when everything's over with and going, yeah. what's all this then? That's what happens in the film. What's all this then? He literally, like, right after Angel's laying there on the floor all beat up. And it seems an awful lot to me like the guards, the guards are trying to just avoid paperwork more than anything else. 
Well, so, yeah. but they also really want to know because they punish him a lot because they want to know, like, because they don't want, they only want the guards in command. They don't want the kids doing their own justice or beatings because then they feel like they're going to have another, like, an issue where there's a daddy there. I don't think they, the, the, at least the head administrators of this prison, the feeling I got, they don't want some kid being the quote unquote daddy of the other kids. They want them all subservient to them. Some do and some don't because the, uh, yeah. Banks, who's like the current daddy, he has to pay each guy um, like the screws, doesn't he? He gets a pound or something. There's some like fucking deal going on where like for every pound that the inmates have, he takes like 70p of it and then he gives 50p of that to the guards. So I think like the fucking guys at the top like obviously don't want this shit going on but the guys kind of lower down they're quite happy for there to be a daddy because the daddy then taxes all the other guys and he gets a cut of whatever they get taxed true there's a real weird fucking corruption thing going on there there's that and also a lot of the administrators who may not actually be involved in the bribery part of it I do believe they would use a character that is like one of these people that is the daddy to essentially enforce the law that they want if the daddy keeps all the inmates in line then the guards can just have easy sauce and just kind of walk around and do nothing basically all day yeah totally yeah and it seems to me that the guards that's what they have and i mean poor angel is constantly beset upon with racial slurs and vitriol not only while he's being beaten by the other boys but while he's being mishandled by a guard who really doesn't give a fuck what happened to him yeah he knows angel was beaten and when angel keeps saying that he fell they're like oh well you were clearly fighting you know so you're on report so angel gets beat up and then he gets in trouble for getting beat up like you know they'll throw you things on the floor and then you get put on report for having dirty a dirty floor and it's like well you just threw it down there you can <laughs> it's just yeah it's horrible we then see the young boy from earlier i think his name was davis walk into his cell and just basically curl up on the fucking mattress and ball like non-stop to the point where it goes from being uncomfortable to where you would just want to do anything to make it end like you just want to fast forward they hold on that for a really long time yeah they really do and it's it's literally there to make you feel the the sense of hopelessness that that poor kid has yeah that'd be me if i was in there <laughs> i think that would be all three of us oh, yeah. <laughs> I, although i don't i honestly don't know i got a lot of hate in me so i don't know what would happen when i got put inside i can't really say yeah who knows <laughs> i know that the shape that i'm in right now i wouldn't be much of a fighter no. <laughs> All right, so they cut away from this finally in Thank You movie and to our next clip. I am older than most of the trainees here. Yes? Of the books available in the library, uh, they're either trash westerns or hack adventure stories. Now, I can't read that muck. So I don't know whether I'm supposed to be Roy Rogers or Nanook of the North. My needs are different. The library caters for all trainees here, not single individuals. Yeah, uh, besides censoring our mail, you also veto what books are allowed to be sent into us? I do. Then why haven't I been allowed the two Dostoyevsky novels you received for me? They're safely locked away. You'll have them when you're released. I shan't need them then. Matrix. Have you read them? They are classics. Archer, read them or not, Crime and Punishment and the Idiot are hardly suitable reading matter for a young boy in this establishment. Boy? (laughs) Trainee. 
Your feet are disgusting, Archer. You're impudent and foolish. I know of vegetarians who don't eat meat, but that doesn't stop them from wearing shoes. Oh, can't be very sincere people, then, can they, matron? Is that all? Yeah, well, I think it's all going to be resolved soon, anyway. Uh, the feet, I mean, and the diet. Yeah, I'm thinking of becoming a Sikh. The governor might have something to say about that. Matron, you know what I used to do with my girlfriend? Are you being insolent, Archer? Hold hands. We used to hold hands. Is that all you wish to discuss, Archer? I have work to do. Uh, yes, I think so. Yes. Oh, I keep getting through the days somehow. You know, Mitchin, when I was last in the block, seven days solitary down there, madam, after much insistence, they gave me, besides the belting, my right to a book. It was the Bible. Good. You'll come to no harm with that. It was printed in Yugoslavian, and there didn't have to be an interpreter in the cell. Well, that only goes to show, Archer, that Christianity is universal. Make the report, Matron. Not only is Archer, who is our shoeless wonder, making trouble, basically, by coming up with all these different religions that he's thinking about converting to, and then... And they have to accommodate him because it's religious faith. He also makes a complaint about being given a Bible that was in a language that he couldn't read whenever he was in solitary. And that's going to be trouble as well. And he knows it's going to probably bring more trouble on his head. And yet, boom. <laughs> He's still doing it. He can't help himself, can he? No, I don't think he can. I, I honestly do believe that it's one of those things where he knows that this whole entire system is screwed up. And I think he's almost trying to wring more trouble down on his head, more problems yeah. with everything, just to kind of prove his point. I think it's like a thought experiment that he's playing out in real life and he's willing to put up with this torment just so he can prove what he's basically trying to show everyone that these entire institutions are screwed up they're they're broken and they don't work and it's not about rehabilitation it's about punitive damage that can be done particularly for these young men after this we see Carlin getting jumped in his sleep. Wow, could you be more cowardly? Yeah, no, you can't. <laughs> Banks basically smacks him a good one when they wake him up and then tells him, you know, he's in charge and everything. And then Carlin even tries to say, hey, I just want to do my time. I don't want any trouble. But then Banks climbs on top of him in a very homoerotic way. Yeah, and starts beating the shit out of him. Also in a very homoerotic way. <laughs> Kind of. Kind of? <laughs> I mean, he's in bed and he's punching the shit out of him, but he's also straddling the kid. <laughs> and not to hold his arms down because his buddies are doing that for him. Right? Very erotic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's kind of, I don't know, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Something not so chill happened. It, it's, yeah, you get a lot of sexualized violence out of Banks. I think uh, he, he might be a little impotent and trying to accommodate it by beating people up instead. <laughs> yeah, I think Colin at first genuinely just, just want to keep his head down and do his time. Like, I don't think he really is interested in in, in doing anything else at first but you know it's, it's kind of it's put upon him isn't it he hasn't really got any choice yeah whenever they try to put him in his place and try and make him do the thing that he was already going to do it backfires on them which is again a problem with this institution when they try to break someone when they try to make them basically just fit into this mold that they don't fit into even if he was trying on his own what they end up doing is it's like the like slippery bar of soap in your hand the harder you squeeze it the faster it's going to shoot right out of your hand and across the floor and that's definitely not something you want to do in prison. No. You don't want to be dropping that soap. <laughs> no, you don't. You want to be holding on to that. I realize as I'm making the analogy, I'm like, you're talking about dropping soap, Court. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Prison, not comfortable. <clears throat> Just saying. Uh, <laughs> 
All right, so they continue to get all alpha male on Carlin. We see kind of like a, a continued uh, him being pushed around and given shit, even though he has been beaten and told them that he doesn't want any trouble. And he then gets interrogated about his bruises because they really beat the fuck out of him. His eyes all swollen shut. He's got like a big fucking goose egg oh, underneath big, it too. Big, huge bruise that almost covers the side of his face. Yeah, they could have made it a little more symmetrical. They could have beat uh, both eye sockets in. I mean, come on. <laughs> the guy clearly has a strong right hand and no left. Uh, <laughs> he's a righty. <laughs> Apparently. So when he won't tell them what happened when the guard starts interrogating him about the bruises, he's basically told that uh, it's clear you've been fighting. Obviously you've been fighting and you're on report. So once again, one of the inmates here or one of the I trainees. And I'm not used to these concrete steps. Yeah, he fell down the stairs. <laughs> He's not used yeah. to concrete steps. I'm not used to these particular brand of concrete steps. They were wet. We normally have the wooded ones, and I'm fine with those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's trying anything he can to try and get the trouble to be put away, but it's they're just basically out to have him. So He's the one that gets put on report for fighting because he got beat up, which we see constantly throughout the film. Like Whoever has the evidence of actual fighting gets the punitive damage done to him. You think these boys would learn to, the whole not in the face, you know, keep yeah, it right? keep, keep it where it can't be seen. I've seen that in other prison-related movies where they're going to beat them, but they're going to keep it away from the face and, you know, the lower parts of the arms. So it's all body shots where it's mostly covered unless it's shower time, which and the guards shouldn't be looking anyway. Unless that's the whole idea. The, uh, they beat up his face so he gets in more trouble with the guards because they know he won't say anything. That is a distinct possibility. You do get the feeling that uh, Banks and his crew yeah. do things specifically to get the other people into more trouble and we'll get into that in a little bit too. Yeah. Alright, so the next day we see the systematic racism as every guard has been going out of their way to cause trouble for poor Angel. We then see the young kid, I believe it was uh, Davis, I think, the one that ran away and is showing up here. He's basically in his room doing exactly what the people tell him he should be doing, keeping his head down and trying to do his time. And he's given a radio by by one of Banks's lackeys. It's obvious he's setting the kid up for something. Even when the kid's like, look, I don't want it. I don't need it. He's like, no, seriously, we have plenty in our room. You can borrow it. Just take it. And he's like, no, I, I don't want it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think I would have grabbed that radio and been like, uh, guard, here, take this. He's been like, nah, man, it's cool. I'm going to just go to my room. Fuck off for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> he literally just says, okay, I'm just going to leave it here. And then if you don't want it, you can always bring it back to me. And then right as he leaves, you know, something's not right. Yeah. Archer, the shoeless kid, is reading a letter to another one of the trainees and the kid ends up begging Archer to read that letter one more time out loud and it becomes clear that this kid never even learned to read. There's a lot of kids who don't know how to read in this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of kids that don't know a lot of anything in this film. It's really pretty fucking heartbreaking to see this. Uh, the kid actually ends up making Archer read the address as well. Like he wants to get, he wants, he wants to, to prolong the letter. It. Yeah. Like to get the news home. And there's this thread going through with this particular kid where he has a dog it got pregnant and it gave birth to like three puppies I think and the family doesn't know what to do with the puppies and they're like well why don't you figure it out while you're locked up yeah right <laughs> not the brightest group of people that are raising this poor kid apparently so it turns out we then cut back and we see the kid that was given the radio was definitely being set up as a guard walks in and says you know you're on report for nicking this or whatever you stole this radio and the kid's like no we just left it there and of course the guard can't be bothered to do anything other than well I got a bust for this week yeah right that's a shot. 
you know, I get I get credit for that. That counts. You're in trouble. You stole the radio. Just dicks, man. <laughs> like everyone in this is just a complete dick. <laughs> well, they don't get locked up for nothing, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> At least in this film, you know, no one is really all that innocent. Yeah. Um, I was talking about the guards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go off. I'm not going to go off. Just calm. Just, Andy, no. just settle down. All right. Court's trying to hold it together here. <sighs> okay. okay. Oh, I got a problem with uh, authority of all sorts and the authority in this movie. Triggered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we see the advice being given by Carlin to the kid who got framed. He's telling the young boy, just put in the time, do your amount of time in the block, which is, I guess, their solitary. They call it the block. They call it a couple of other things, but the kids usually use the, the slang for calling at the block and just basically keep your mouth shut don't even try and say that you didn't do it that you were framed just take the i think he even tells him he's like you're gonna get a few days and then you'll be done and then it's over with you didn't really do anything wrong but just put up with it and you get the feeling that all three of the new boys were targeted right off the bat Uh, once again to put them in their place oh yeah and if you ask me this davis kid got off light yeah he didn't get a beating nope he just got put on report yeah he just gets put into the block for stealing a radio yeah and it's just for them to make him realize probably because they also no, this kid really was probably nothing. It was just like, well, yeah, everyone has to get a new guy hazing, so we don't have to do much to him because he already wants to fall in line. Is it a new guy hazing, or is this just one of the guys being a dick because he knew he could do it? I think it's new guy hazing. I bet every new guy gets a little piece of that, depending <laughs> on what they did, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And Angel just gets beat up for being black. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're black, you're just, you're screwed. Sorry. In general. In, general, in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether it's in an institution or outside of it. I'm really sorry about the we're trying to change that as best we can, but yeah, there's a lot of old white guys who don't want that to, you know, go away. They're all going to die soon. Yes. One of them is running the country, isn't he? <laughs> Why do you have to remind us? <laughs> I'm going to keep it locked up. Yeah. Keep he's, it locked he's up. He's going to bury those feelings. Bury, eat, eat your feelings. Remember, eat your feelings. And he's trying to get me to go off. <laughs> yeah, he is. He wants trying to me. poke you with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to poke this bear. <laughs> Careful, Andy. You're going to make him eat a huge steak later. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. It does it? Mm, <laughs> dead edible. No, I'm at the point now where I'm going to have to get 72 pizzas to put this down. Man, this movie. <laughs> oh. Okay. oh, this is serious. Yeah. Why 72 pizzas? Yeah. Because they're better than virgins. <laughs> okay, so they cut from that and we end up seeing another bureaucratic touting how the facility is there to help them. And it's the matron lady. She's doing this pseudo nurse ratchet routine where she's kind of interviewing the boys and trying to get them to open up. But it's clear she doesn't really give a fuck what they have to say. This is just her going through her emotions. This one really bugged me in the interview that she's doing. Yeah. How are you? How do you feel about that? And then she starts doing her nails or some shit. Like she's not even listening Ugh. to them. She's just letting them talk. And if they try to bring up or broach a subject that brings down the facility, like Archer tries to do at some point, she immediately cuts him off and then tells him how everything he's thinking is wrong. Yeah. Like she's so fucking bureaucratic. I just wanted to slap her. Mm-hmm. Drove me nuts. I hated Bitch. it. Of all of the people here, the matron probably bugged me the worst because you can expect the guards to be the way that they were. Just total asshats that don't care about these kids. The matron, on the other hand, and what her position is supposed to be, she's supposed to be the one person there that they could go to for help. Yeah. And she's totally not that. No. 
she doesn't want anything to do with them either. And that's, it's at this point when I lose all hope, when I see this person doing the things that she's doing, then I know these kids are super fucked. We then see the main bureaucrat. I couldn't really tell his position at first. I thought it was governor, which governor. is governor. Yeah, it's yeah, governor, which is, I think it is our ward. It's governor warden. warden. Yeah. yeah. It's he's the guy that's in charge. He's the top dog. All these people that have been put on report to the governor. This is the time of week or our day or whatever it is. I, you, like, again, you can't tell what fucking time it is. What's going on in these boys lives. You don't even know what day it is. This could all be the same day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you see him go to sleep and wake up, but everything that happens from here on out could it be is, like that's supposed to be what it's supposed to like prison was always supposed to be. You're never supposed to know what day it is. Yeah. It's just, just go. Yeah. You'd never know until you fall asleep and wake up the next day. But then this main bureaucrat sits down and he starts doing a interview with the guys and talking to them and he's handing out various punishments. And because I have a real problem with bureaucracy, authority, institutions in general, I made that my next clip so I didn't have to write it down. Apart from absconding, your record at your previous board school was clean, Davis, and I have taken that into consideration. However, I will stress that if I deal with you leniently here, it will certainly not be so light should you appear before me again. See a VOE? Answer, Governor. Denomination Church of England. Yes. Good. Three days in the block. Loss of privileges for one week. Out, turn, quick march. Out, out. You in. Put it on the man. Legs apart and face the governor. Name a number to the governor. Four seven three seven, Carlin, sir. Fighting, Carlin. Oh yes, yeah, nothing, Carlin. You were transferred to me because you assaulted an officer at your previous post. Although heaven knows what they expect me to do with you. However, I will have no violence in this institution. There is no violence here. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Yet no sooner you settled in than well, the marks are visible on your face. A generous man, Carlin, but I will not have any trainee take liberty. You're brought here. You will be in very serious trouble. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Now, have you anything to say? Well, not really, sir. Except I wasn't fighting. I fell. Wasn't used to the concrete steps. However, I can understand the officer thinking that I had why to stay at me face. So I've got no excuse, really, sir. I mean, what else could he think? T-A-V-O-N. Oh, yes, sir. My religion's a great comfort to me. Good. Then it may even have some guidance for your reform. Three days solitary in the block. Loss of earnings for two weeks. About turn. Out! Out! Come on, Carly, move it! Okay, so we see a little bit of that theocracy that's inherent within this particular governor. They mentioned it earlier where this particular place is run by a very religious governor, and it seems to me that as long as you are his religion, he sways the punishments in your favor. Yes. Because Carlin got a lot less punishment than the kid who stole the radio. Yeah. He was supposedly fighting, and the kid who stole the radio is part of the Church of England, but doesn't really talk about how his religion was a great comfort like Carlin did. Yeah, Carlin knows how to work the system. Yeah. He's already institutionalized because he's, oh, my religion's a great comfort to me, sir. He knew right away. What to say. And because he said that, you could tell the governor softened. Like in his, it's almost like he sat back, took in a breath going, there may be hope for this one because at least he believes. He has a believe in Christ. After Carlin is interviewed, he's tossed into a cell. And I mean, literally tossed into a cell. A full grown man tossing a kid, not, not even like half his size, less than half his size, throwing him head first at a wall like he's nothing. <laughs> and then yelling at him for 
falling. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> some... just, uh, it's one of the things that Andy mentioned too. These guys are just the way they treat these poor boys, and then they're just like, "Oh, look at you! I dumped all of your food all over you. Now you've got this mess. You're on report for what I did to you." Yes, <laughs> it's a power trip. Oh, it's fucking awful. All right, so we then get a little bit of levity after all of this, as some of the prisoners are actually taking in visitors. So you get to see some well, rather gentle treatment from friends and family that are coming to visit them. So you at least get this bright piece of hope. And no, 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 somebody's smuggling in money. So that ruins that. Yeah, that's over. And Andy was talking about this earlier. Apparently there's some type of corrupt system going on where all this money comes in and everybody has to pay some type of due. Bank had a system, didn't he, where he was like 50p to him. His mate got 5p. There was like 20p to someone else. And yeah, so basically like the guards are just fucking coining it in, just getting like 50p of everybody's money that comes in. And from the sound of it, it wasn't all the guards either. It was specific ones that are corrupt and are basically using their position to bring in more money. It doesn't seem like it's the entire system. No, just a couple. You do get the feeling there's some of these guards where you get the feeling that they're also like reverse institutionalized where they've been dehumanizing the boys over the ages to where they're just charges. They're just property of the state at that point. They're not really human. But at one point in time, they gave a fuck and they're also not corrupt and they do care. Whenever they can kind of see the kids as human again, they sort of have feelings and they sort of try to take care of them but yeah there's kind of one guard guy with a really deep voice who's not too bad um the rest of them are just fucking cunts <laughs> yeah and, and like i said i don't even think that all of those are actually corrupt i think they just have been i'm referring to it as reverse institutionalized where you, yeah. get a, you get a human being that has been locked up long enough they get so used to the routine they get so used to that way of life that they just get comfortable and that's how they live because they're used to it and i think that what's happening with a lot of these guards and you do kind of see it as we go further in the film their reactions to the kids they don't even see them as kids anymore. They don't see them as human. They're just these things that they have to keep in line. They're like a cog. They just have to keep turning. And anything that goes outside of that is this horrible inconvenience and it fucks up their day. They don't want to be there anymore. The kids want to be there. It's like a shit job for them. They hate it. Yeah. And that's going to get summed up later on in the film beautifully. And I, I did pull that as a clip. <laughs> but I just kind of. I figured you would. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It basically turns out there's some type of underhanded stuff that Banks is into that's involving the guard transferring pounds to pence and then breaking it up as we kind of tried to describe earlier and Andy kind of already covered that so I won't go into that too deeply and there's an interesting part where we kind of come back to the governor holding court with these people because they're jumping around a little bit and one of the kids is actually given permission to actually get married and he's allowed to get married for good behavior I, I can't remember exactly what it was where like he's done a good job and his girl or girlfriend got pregnant before he got put in here and they're trying to make an honest woman out of her and I think that's why he got the permission more than anything anything four hours isn't it or something they're giving him four hours off you know so he's got four hours to kind of go out there get married and then he's straight back in i'm assuming he doesn't even really get to consummate because he hasn't like you say she's already pregnant at that point um <laughs> He, he got yeah. the milk and now it's time to buy that cow. Yes. <laughs> That's such an awful phrase. Yeah, it really is, man. It's really gross. It. <laughs> it is, but yeah. So he gets four hours off and because he's going to be going to go get married, he had to get special permission for that. And I imagine that if that wouldn't have worked, would they have allowed a marriage to happen on the grounds of the prison where she comes in and they just do the ceremony? Yeah, well, it's, what it's kind of like he's having, it's not even a ceremony. He's only getting like legally married. Yeah, they're uh, taking they're, him to a courthouse yeah, for four house and that's like the the governor is a real problem with that and he's like you're just doing that and he goes oh but once i'm out i'm doing a proper a proper know, wedding a proper wedding but yeah it still pisses the governor off that they're only doing a a, a legalized a legalized wedding, wedding yeah he's a, a he's a theocratic piece of shit he really is 
Archer is told he will be given plastic shoes when he's meeting with the governor. So they actually went out of their way and they're trying to accommodate him. And you almost feel like Archer is like, okay, well now what am I going to do to cause trouble? <laughs> because he wants to find something else. And then the governor underhandedly asks Archer if he's reading a particular book that has some kind of Christian theological said, discussions oh, I, to it. I haven't got a chance to enjoy that yeah. literary adventure. And this is where the governor starts Christian proselytization, pretty much hardcore about how he can find faith. And that's when Archer tells him he's drawn to Mecca, which you see the governor's face oh. turn a lovely shade of red and is extremely pissed. God damn, that kid likes to troll everyone. Oh, yeah, Archer's, yeah. <laughs> Archer's the original troll. He didn't it really have, is. He didn't have the internet, but he loves to cause problems no matter how much it wreaks havoc on him. The governor is super pissed about this, and he will not hear anything about any religion that is non-Christian going in for these beliefs. <laughs> Institutionalized theocracy. Oh, and in my notes I wrote, fuck that, because clearly I was very angry, and I'm going to keep that <laughs> shoot back right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> Lock it up. I'm trying, dude. All right, so they cut from this to three boys are are back from solitary, our main three characters that we followed into the place, Angel, Davis, and Carlin. And all three of them are immediately forced to mop up a toilet. And Banks and his boys go all alpha male on Carlin once again after beating the crap out of him. They're trying to put him in his place once again. And at this point, they spit on the floor that he is trying to mop up. Do you think this is the tipping point? Because after this is when Carlin starts to react. Yeah, I think so. You think if they wouldn't have tried to push a little bit further if they would have just been, I'm in charge, they beat him, he gets put in solitary. I think if they would have stopped everything up to this point, yeah. they'd have been fine. But they I, still... I think then he just would have done his time quietly and not caused a peep. But unfortunately, much like anybody who goes on power trips, they, they can't, it never can be enough. I think if they would have actually even just been like, we're good now, you know I'm in charge, and just, you know, basically said, you're going to get a chance now. And if they would have probably not gone after him the second he was out of solitary, I think that wouldn't have tipped him over. Yeah. That's that's what I was getting at, where it's like, dude, he just got out of solitary from the shit that you caused him. This was this was a bridge too far pretty much. Alright, so they cut from that to the matron of the facility who is possibly the most worthless piece of shit human being on the... <clears throat> I'm sorry. The matron does not <laughs> help any of the boys in is yet another bureaucratic asshat. This whole discussion that she's having with everybody, she only once again cares about the appearance of doing her job and I can't remember exactly everything that takes place. I didn't do all of the notes for it, but whenever Archer starts laying some, basically, he starts laying some philosophy about how he thinks ref, like reforming these youths would actually take place versus the punitive stuff that they're actually doing. And he wants to open up that, that discussion. He's actually talking about trust at first with her, where he's like, we're told that we need to trust you, trust you, trust you for this. And yet we never get any trust at all. We're, we're told that we're untrustworthy. So how are we actually supposed to start trusting not only each other but with you if you won't let us even feel like we're human beings that can be trusted and we're not just wild animals you can tell she's tired of listening to him already <laughs> right just me describing it at this point she's trying to cut him off and be like yeah. let's let somebody else have the floor archer and she just completely ignores him and then asks if anyone else would like to talk about what he's talking about and clearly all the other boys don't even have the capacity to do the thought experiment where archer is because all their heads are just kind of like ready to explode and then they're like no we don't want to talk about it so they can just basically get out of this group and move on and so they all leave immediately when dismissed they cut from this to carlin grabs either a pool ball or a snooker ball and makes himself a snooker ball 
blackjack. I knew exactly where this was going without uh-huh. seeing the film. Yep. The minute he reached for two of them, I was like, oh, Ooh. shit. Did you guys notice that was all done in one take as yes. well? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful the way that they do it. and uh, Really good. Handheld camera, obviously, before the days of Steadicam. Yeah, this was the scene that I first became aware, Andy, that I was watching a film and not a documentary. This, yeah. is, this is where I knew for sure I was watching a film at this point. And I'm glad that they did it this way because this is some of the worst violence in the film. Some of. Yeah, some of. Some, some of. of. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Apparently, they had a guy, he, like, he stops at the door for a second to pause, and that's where like one of the crew like swapped it, you know, handed him uh, basically like a sock with like paper mache balls in as opposed to actual snooker balls. Um, but it's pretty good. Like, you can't tell. It never really occurs to me, I don't think, when I first watched this film, but that was all one, all one take. Pretty tense scene. And while they do it, too, it's all one take, and they do it so beautifully because he walks over, tells the guys just to keep playing and not worry about it, makes the snooker ball blackjack. And to me, it looked like he, before he put it in his pocket, he drops it down like to put the balls under the sock. He drops it down below the table and I think that's where they switched it or at least that's what it looked like to me. Oh, maybe, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and then he brings it back up and stuffs it into his pocket. But unless you're really paying attention to it, like I backed it up after the scene happened because I was really intrigued at how they did this shot. And that's, I know they had to switch it out because it was all beautiful one take and they had to do it somewhere and that's where I was suspecting yeah. they might have done it. And then he walks over from there very slowly, very deliberately and very calmly into like a, was it a TV room or something like that because it looks yeah like- where the guy is already being a dick like he's already picking on like the, the little kid that can't read anyway and then he turns on Archer because Archer sticks up for the kid that can't read because he's his roommate and it's like fucking hell like you, like, you just don't feel bad for him at all do you this guy because he's just being a dick to everyone um, and then he kind of gets his comeuppance he's a total fucking toady he was made to be a toady where he knows that he can't be top dog but he can throw his weight around so long as he's backing the top dog yeah he's yeah. that guy He's he was meant to be a toady and he knows that's his position well after Archer has that little bit of confrontation with this lackey of Banks that's when Carlin basically spins the guy around and jacks him across the face with the fucking like he just bludgeons him one that's all it took it was one smack with that blackjack the kid is on the ground then he kicks him in the fucking balls about what three times three four times (laughs) yeah it's I think it's three times for this first kid pretty pretty hardcore yeah and not like one of those like kick him in the balls one time just to let out some anger he kicks him three times because he's message yeah it's it's a a message message. yeah do not fuck with me I'm in charge now motherfucker I love the other one gets ready to try to leave to go tell you sister get your ass back yeah the third one goes to grab Banks and probably give him a warning and he's like you sit the fuck down right now he does yeah shit well the guy's got a snooker ball blackjack there's nothing they're gonna do to stop him in this Right. point and then he goes back to the pool table and drops the snooker balls off puts them pretty much back where he picked them up too if you notice yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. and then he's just like sorry about that fellas keep playing yeah, yeah. like yeah, super polite to as them you, as you were gentlemen yeah super polite to them has no reason to get all like no. fucking busybody on them or be like a dick and push his weight around and then he marches straight up the stairs and starts checking the rooms and it's clear he's looking for the big man banks and then when he finds them he's in the bathroom and wow this is fucking brutal oh. he bashes his head off the sink like two or three times yeah. at least twice one time I thought maybe, maybe three the times. sink was full of water and he was drowning him a little bit too he, he hit him he hit yeah. his head off the sink and his, he was shaving I think uh, and yeah. then he bashes his head off the sink and 
into the water three times. Oh. So you know that each bash, he's probably going to do a gasp for air and probably pull some water into his lungs. Yes, of course. And then he slams him up against the wall. And then I think he punches him in the guts about three or four times. Yeah. I was trying to the keep... really rapid, like, punch, punch knee, isn't it, in the stomach, like, puts him straight on the floor. Yeah. Carlin knows and how I to fucking fight. I think I lost fight. count of how many times he kicks him in the bollocks as well. I backed it up a few times just to try and keep a track of it. And I got at least a four count, maybe five or six. <laughs> yeah, because I think he actually, he, it's a kick in the balls, two punches to the stomach, and then a knee in the stomach, and then about three more kicks in the balls. <laughs> so, it's fucking... <laughs> There's some serious bollock stomping going on in this. Yeah. <laughs> some yeah. serious bollock stomping. Okay, so after he's on the ground, he basically declares that he is the new daddy. He is in charge, and if Banks tries to go against him again, he will fucking kill him. He just says that, I will fucking kill you. And that's it. He's like, that's it. Next time, you're fucking dead. And you get the feeling that this isn't Carlin trying to prove himself. This is Carlin going, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. I've had enough of your shit. Yeah. And yeah, he's just like, no, this again, then he didn't really want to be doing this, but uh, I'm going to have to now. And I, have to take charge because <laughs> Banks's people are doing it completely wrong. They're trying to throw their weight around against everybody, and that's not how it works. You only throw your weight around in this kind of thing when you have to, and yes. then you let the fear of you throwing your weight on the next person be the thing that keeps and them. And they go mind. on too long. Yeah, like, they, if they would have stopped with him just with that first beating, I think that got a point across, and he wouldn't have done anything. But they kept having to try. These guys are essentially bullies, which is not what you want to be whenever you're supposed to be in charge with this thing. You have to be tough. They're bullying everyone as well because when Carlin finally steps up, like you've got a couple of guys like telling him where the other kid is. You've got like when the guard comes, everybody just goes, "Then what's then what we're talking about?" I didn't see anything, you know. Like now, what everyone's on Carlin's side at this point, isn't it? Because these guys have just been in charge for probably a long time, and everyone's fucking sick of it. Yeah, he's a much better top dog than these kids are because they are. They're just a fucking group of fucking bullies that no one else could stand up to. And while Carlin is definitely not a good person and we'll see that he actually when it comes to certain things is much worse than any of these kids yeah he's at least fair like like we said when he's he grabs the snooker balls they didn't interfere with him so he's very polite and he does as far as i can tell put him back where he grabbed him yeah and then he's like sorry about that guys you go back to your game now thank you so much and not like in a threat like hey i did i wasn't here or anything yeah. but he literally Just was like, like sorry for the inconvenience as you were, gentlemen like at least that's the the sense that i got where he at least gave some respect to the kids yes because they did nothing wrong to him and they don't deserve to be treated like shit, which is what makes him the leader I think that these kids want yeah. in their group. And you get the feeling that he may have become the daddy not because he wanted to, but to keep people like Banks out of the other place that he was at from yes. being in charge. One of the guards starts trying to get the boys to talk and rat out Carlin because he knows what happened. And he's pissed because his top earners are now in trouble <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it's clear that they've been fighting. They basically just keep saying, we slipped, we slipped, we fell, you know, whatever it is. That's the constant excuse for any injury that they have. They slipped and fell. And the guard even starts beating on Banks worse when he won't talk. He slaps the shit out yeah. of him. The kid had a fucking sink fed to his face <laughs> and the guard's slapping well, him. I think it's pretty obvious that the guard doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> no. And at some point, the guard ends up knocking 
banks unconscious and just leaves him there. Doesn't even give, like you said, uh, he doesn't uh, give a shit. Just leaves him. I fell repeatedly into my sink. Yeah, he lets him slip <laughs> to the floor. He lets him slip to the floor after he smacks him and he knocks him out. And then all of that just trying to get him to talk. And then when he won't do it, he just goes after Carlin directly to try and see if he can throw his weight around on him. And because, once again, that inflamed me to try and write his notes. <laughs> that is our next clip. You're really for it this time. Banks and Richards are both named you. You'll get three years for this, scum. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. You fucking well will, toe rag. I run this wing. I'm not having it disrupted by a dirty little backstreet villain like you. You'll sign a statement downstairs. I've got nothing to say, sir. I'd like to see the housemaster. Oh, you will come. You. And the governor, sir. I've got a witness. Shit, witness. I'm hoping you, lad. You banged that officer at Rowley. You must be thinking you've walked quietly away from that one. But he's here. Me. He's every fucking screw in this bolster, every one of us. Now, come on. Any fancy taking a poke at me, eh? Come on, big man. I didn't bang no screw. I retaliated. There was two of them kicking the shit out of me. We'll retaliate here. Come on. I'll have you. Where's Carly? Carly. What? Baldy. The tinted daddy man from B-Wing. He wants to meet you. Well, I don't talk this shit. He wants to meet Carly. We know what for. He's a right old guy. When's it going to be? I'll find him. You tell him, Dugan. Rather warm, old chap, don't you think? Yeah. Won't be in this bleeding sweat box for much longer, I can tell you. Drop the clips and warm in winter, but it's no fucking good to me. All this for nicking 30 bob's worth of junk. You're joking. 30 bob's worth of fucking scrap. Well, my brother had a bit of form, so they stuck it on me. My mother went through his body. Jesus, that's one for the book. What's you doing, a bank or what? No, Colin, no. I was merely trying to further a respectable career in the employ of a timber merchant. Clark, who my old lady was sick, you know, all the time, fragile. And there was all this stick about giving her a bad time and then her wanting to see her son secure, respectful, you know, all that shit. So I was sticking out in this office. The only thing was, I got too ambitious, didn't I? Yeah, I wasn't satisfied with dipping my fingers into the petty cash for stamps. Nah, started working on the cash sales. Making 40, 50 quid on the side most weeks, going to work in a cab. Yeah, until some hard-faced mayor comes back for a swap when I'm out and, uh, here I am. What was it, your first offence? Well, you know my mouth. Gave a judge a bit of lip. Didn't know the ropes, did I? She sat there fart-faced under a wig, packs me off the ball stop. 40 pence a quid, that's it. I can't go with that, can't I? They'll cut my fucking throat. Yeah, well, that's the way things are now, mate. 40p that or nothing. If you can come that card, the old bleeding nick will be on you. Right behind Baldy. Fuck them. But don't you see, if Banks paid 50, I've got to give them less. That's psychology. If I want to keep hold of them, I've got to be harder than him. Or you'll have some mugging paying 60. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, 40's way under, Carlin. It won't be worth the risk getting money in. Okay, okay, 45. They get 45. But I want it made clear, Dugan, it's a favour. You had to bleeding well beg me, right? Okay. You had to plead with me, right? Right. Colin? Sir? Mr. Goodyear's office. Yes, sir. Dugan. Association. Yes, sir. I don't want you hanging around in here. It's one of the most rewarding aspects of this job, encouraging ability and individuality. And a consequence of this is that natural leaders will emerge, as they have throughout history. But Carlin, as I am sure you are aware, the gift of leadership entails responsibilities, like setting a good example and keeping order. Leadership means order. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. Good. Now then, you came here with a bad reputation. But I am prepared to take you as I find you. You'll have every chance to 
prove yourself on this wing, Carlin, and even to win back some of the time you've lost through your more unfortunate escapade. As housemaster, I run this wing. I want that firmly understood. Nobody rocks my boat. Do we understand each other? Yes, sir. Very well, then. Just one thing, sir. Yes. I would like a single cell. I think we can arrange that, Mr. Greaves. Yes, sir. Anything else? No, sir. About turn. Move! In you go, Woods. Name a number to the housemaster. Carlin. All right, Carlin, but don't push it. If there's any bother, we'll have your bleeding guts, right? I said right. Yes, sir. On your way. All right, so after that, Woods is given an ultimatum where he is told that he needs to clean up his act. He's basically, the kid is slow. He's not learning very well. He doesn't even show up for school. And if he does show up for school, he's not participating in it because he can't read and he's embarrassed that he doesn't want to admit that. He can't apparently keep his room clean and his appearance himself is slovenly and everything like that. And so the kid gets put on punishment just for basically being the child left behind? Yeah, he's a fuck-up. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing malicious about him. He's just kind of a fuck-up. Do you ever find out why he's in? I don't think you do. No, they don't actually say anything. You get the feeling that he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time and not smart enough to talk his way out of it whenever he got picked up. Yeah, yeah. that's why I imagine just in with the wrong group of people and probably took the fall for something they did, I imagine, because he's, he's just, he's so inoffensive, isn't he? You can't imagine it was anything violent, really. You can't imagine if it was anything particularly cunning. You know, he's just, he's just <laughs> One of life's fucking losers, isn't he? I feel like Woods was the fall guy all the time. Like the group of people that he's with, he doesn't even realize that they constantly make him the fall guy because yeah. that's the yeah. only reason he would be in a place like this because he doesn't even seem smart enough to know how to do anything malicious. Like I honestly don't think he could figure out how to be mean <laughs> or do yeah, something yeah, wrong. Right. Like I just think he, uh-huh. if anything, maybe he was at the wrong place at the wrong time and just became the fall guy for a group of people that he hung out with, like we were talking about. All right, so they cut- you've, uh, you've got Carlin, haven't you? As well now like he's he's obviously got to do the thing he's got to be in on the money corruption because this is where he's saying to the guy look if the previous guy had to only give the gods like 50p i can only give him 40 isn't he he's like i can't give him the same i've got to give him less because i've got to look like i'm in charge now which i thought was pretty cool and then the kid ends up talking him up to 45 and he's like but you better make them know that you had to beg and i mean yeah, beg. A favor. yeah. and <laughs> we do see kind of carlin's asserting his dominance but in a way he's doing it to where he's like i know what i have to do and I'm going to do just enough to show everyone that I'm in charge now and once that goes through you don't really see any bullying after Carlin's in charge. Nobody fucks with anybody at that point. Like it's pretty much left as is for a good portion of this film once Carlin becomes in charge. They cut away from Woods being told he needs to clean up his act to what looks like I'm guessing an indoor rugby match. Something, yeah. It is, I don't know what the fuck it is because <laughs> it's just like it's a medicine terribly wrong yeah like what the fuck it is basically a fucking like wall of death isn't it like just charge at each other have you you two guys heard of the term ghoulies before I know the word but I don't know what that might represent so bollocks being kicked in the balls because the guy's like right uh, no biting no kicking in the ghoulies (laughs) yeah I got that when he said no kicking in the ghoulies I totally got that that he meant no kicking in the balls so but I just wondered if that was a thing like if you'd heard the term ghoulies for balls before that was like what they used to get called when i was a kid oh careful we're gonna get hit in the ghoulies quite frankly i wish that would have been something that got transported overseas <laughs> <laughs> referring to your testicles as ghoulies is yeah, like no kicking in the ghoulies that's pretty fucking awesome yeah, actually right? bad i love the way he says it as well like the, the that guy's voice is brilliant but yeah all it is um it's just an excuse for everyone to have a bit of a fight i mean even at one point the pe teacher just belts one of the kids in the stomach at one point there's a lot of fucking racism 
racism is the worst PE lesson in the world. I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be rugby because they look like they were trying to impede the motion of the ball carrier, but it does. It just devolves into, like you said, wall of death, fist fighting, elbow throwing, ass kicking, just crazy institutionalized violence. He's like, look, this is not supposed to be racial when it's blatantly like all the white guys on one side of the room, all the black guys on the other side. He makes them switch sides. He goes, all right, we're going to go by cell blocks. I think this is kind of the first time you see that there's more than one wing as well to the prison. There is a black wing where I'm sure Angel probably should have been, but wasn't. And I think this is like the first time that you see that there's, there is more than one like section to this place. There's a few guys that are in the, I think it's a wing that Carlin's actually in charge of right now that, that he's taken over from Banks and Banks used to be in charge of a wing. And then the B wing B for black, I guess, because that's probably. like, there's a few guys that are making do on either side where you do see in B wing, there's a few white guys, but it's predominantly black. Yeah. And then a wing is predominantly white, but there's a few of the black kids that are there as well. And I think they're doing that essentially just trying to give the appearance that it's not segregated and yet they're still mostly segregating it. And I think think the kids that are getting mixed up back and forth are probably the ones they're expecting to be troublemakers or just going to make an example of to let the other kids beat on them and keep them (laughs) in line or something. Yeah. Because again, institutionalized horse shit that they pull in these kinds of places. Just settle down. I know. Dude, I'm doing really fucking good right now. I'm proud of you so far. Like we talked about, it's just a bunch of elbows and violent cheap shots at this point and it is essentially the whites fighting the blacks so we have a race riot as a gym class essentially is what this shot is we then see that an inmate has the matron reading a letter to him because obviously he can't read this is a completely different inmate she tells him that candy is apparently dead and she assumes that candy was his pet and it turns out that it was actually his wife and i believe that because he was a black inmate no one else would help him out and that's why he had to go to the matron to get him to read the letter and the Mm. look on his face and she's like oh i'm so sorry to hear about your pet and he's like candy was my nickname for my wife the way i saw that is that he 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 had read the letter and he just wanted her to read it so he could tell her that his wife was dead looking for some kind of fucking counsel that's kind of the way i looked at it that he he knew what the letter said but he he just he needed someone else to kind of acknowledge this horrendous thing that had happened and she doesn't give a fuck does she i mean i'm surprised she even hung back to read the letter because she was about to leave for the day and i think like i think she even begrudged the extra sort of 20 seconds to reread it to him like you say, she is a bitch. That vein's popping in my head right now, isn't she, it? She, although at least looked a little shocked when she found out it was his wife. Yeah, but, but yeah, she I mean, at least hit a little... Yeah, but she doesn't go, I'm so sorry. She no, doesn't she try to help. No, well, he kind of walks away almost right away, though. Yeah. and she should I'd like to think chasing. she'd call him back or go after him, but I imagine she just goes home because <laughs> she's missed the bus, you know? Yeah, it's the way that you just uh, you just frame that, Andy. Uh, it fits perfectly, and I think that's a really insightful way of looking at it. Where he probably could read, he was just looking for some kind of human connection and someone to actually give a shit. And yeah, because the look on his face, he's already really upset when he hands her the letter, and his expression doesn't change when she reads it to him. Like he knows what it's gonna say. Oh God, that's yeah, so much just, worse. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> no, it's no. We needed that insight. We needed to unpack that, and it's just Jesus Christ. I'm even more angry now. If this film does not outrage you in some way, shape, or form when you're watching, yeah, you got problems. You're not fucking human. Yeah, yeah you're not. Because, <laughs> ugh. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right. We, we also do get the scene where, like, like I suspected, Archer is not a vegetarian and never has been because uh, Carlin hands him just a sausage, doesn't he, as a, um, as a gesture of goodwill kind of thing, and he stuffs it down pretty, pretty sharpish. 
Yeah, I was kind of thinking that maybe he was doing that for that particular bit of shock value or just to cause problems because if they can't get him to eat meat and meat's on all the menus for everything, then they have to go out of their way to try and accommodate him. And I think that's basically Archer's plan is he doesn't care how long he gets locked in there. He knows he's probably going to have to do the full time. And as yep. a, everything with him is a matter of principle. And maybe at one point in time, you know, for health reasons or something like that, he decided to try and go vegetarian to, you know, Im- improve his health or something, or maybe yeah. it was, maybe it was something that he was into, but just to troll, I think administration. Yeah, no, I'm saying that behind the behind bars here, it is specifically for yeah trolling the administration. But to me, it seems like Archer is a soul searching, intelligent young man who wants to know more about the world around him, and maybe yeah. maybe actually did try out these different faiths, did try out all these different things. The only thing of him that I believe so far that he says is that he actually is an atheist because yeah. he seems to choose all the other religions specifically to be a thorn in the side. Carlin actually ends up having a meetup with the B-Block King. This has been an ongoing thing where the B-Block King has basically been trying to push for some kind of talk or something that has to do and with... he is a big motherfucker, this guy. Yeah, totally. Pretty scary looking dude. Now, it gets set up to where they're going to actually have a meeting um, during the next shoveling session. Now, they refer to it as shit, but it sure looked to me like they're shoveling coal into... It's coal, yeah, it is coal. Yeah, it's heat. coal. It looked to me too like uh, they're outside of a generator room. He goes in to talk to this guy and it looks like it's a furnace room or like maybe a generator or a utility room. And I'm wondering if the entire facility is powered by coal furnaces that generate electricity for it because that's sure what they looked like. I'm not 100% I think, sure. I think they just heat the, I'm sure, I think they just heat the place with it. Uh, you know, like an old boiler room in an old school, like in the basement. I think that's what it is. But it's like an exterior building. Yeah, I totally could see yeah. that. Poor Arch is fucking shoveling that stuff in his bare feet. Imagine how fucking freezing he is at the beginning. Yeah, that had to have been terrible. (laughs) Brutal. Alright, so he's in this furnace utility room of some sort, and Carlin completely unloads on this guy with a pipe. And I love the way he does this too, where he's like, you got your tool? He goes, what tool? He goes, a tool like this fucking tool! And he just starts beating the shit out (laughs) of him. This big fucking pipe. He just basically says that he's the supreme ruler at this point when he beats the shit out of the guy, that he's the daddy. He's like, you can be in charge of your block and you can be in charge of everything that happens in your block and get some of those perks but everything else is mine. Like, he's consolidating both blocks now, which is something Banks never even had the balls to do. Apparently, they would uh, meet and make decisions, and now he's, like, the man in charge of everything. This is the only time where you kind of get the feeling that maybe Carlin's going out of his way and stepping up more than he probably should to try and prove how much he's in charge. But it also might just be because he doesn't want to work with the guy because he's black, because he throws a bunch of more racial slurs at him. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I thought is that the guards have set that meeting up, and hoping that the black guy is going to beat Carlin and put him in his place and um, obviously it backfires but I'm not sure if that's true because then the other guard kind of gives a little smile when he sees Carlin kind of walk out so I'm not really sure what I think about that now I think they put the two together hoping that one would put the other in his place either way because yeah. you get the feeling that the institutionalized racism they don't like the fact that the daddy of B block is a black kid so if he gets fucked over and gets one done in on him by Carlin they're up they're good you know they, they've got one over on him and they can start uh, letting the sharks smell the blood and circle around him. And the same yeah. thing with Carlin. If the black kid beats the fuck out of Carlin and puts him down, then the sharks will start circling around him and smelling the blood. So I do feel like the guards got this set up. And I think the satisfaction is, holy shit, Carlin
Garland came out of that one, and I don't think Banks would have. Is is what that smile was, you know? Yeah. All right. So yeah, because he's he's not gone for long, is he? He's probably only gone for about forty five seconds, and he just strolls back out like he's having a walk in the park, and it's like, oh my god, man, he's gone in there and dispatched this guy and come out that mark on him in less than a minute. Fuck me, like this guy is uh, he, he means business. And if you think about it too, the two guys that are standing guard on the door there, when they see Carlin come out, they're shocked at first, and then they realize how quick it was, and they're like oh shit that's not good you know and then they charge back in (laughs) and uh, he says something too about how you better rub some coal on those marks like trying to cover up the bruises and the cuts where he hit him with the pipe and throws a shitload of racial slurs about it and then throws the pipe down on the way out to get rid of the evidence and then has that casual stroll and that was kind of harrowing to see him transform from this violent angry hateful human being to like nothing ever happened three steps before he's out the door. Yeah. That was like pretty harrowing because that's how people can be. Yep. Like on exactly. a dime he turns. It's really scary. Yeah, which you know, I think is interesting. There's the little kid with the bottle, gla- you know, it looks like he's got milk bottles for glasses, like the bottom of you know, really thick glasses. He's murdered another kid and he looks like the weirdest little scrawniest thing you could imagine. But you can also just imagine that he's done something absolutely horrific as well. Do you know the guy that I mean? He's yeah, like... Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, one kid, like, one kid later on, earlier on says, because he's says, why, how come I'm in here so far from home and I never get a visitor? And he goes, because you fucking killed that kid. And he's like, oh my God, he's like murdered another child. Fucking hell. And he's he's probably about 12. And the kid also doesn't even seem like the one with the Coke bottle glasses. That was in the group with the Nurse Ratchet's wannabe chick earlier yeah. in the film. You get the feeling that the kid totally does not understand what he did and why he's there. No. And I think she even says, like, you're lucky that you're here and not in one of those mental institutions where you belong, you know, yeah, because at yeah, least right. you'll have a chance that you could get out. So clearly the kid has mental illness. He's got mental problems and they just threw him in a fucking prison to deal with him. Like, that's that's all they yeah, have. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's that's harrowing. <laughs> all right, so they cut away from Carlin and the getting back to shoveling with the boys in the coal to ceremony time for the one inmate who's about to get married. And the boys had one of them forced to be dressed up like a girl. And I think they're gonna try and get the guy to practice. I don't know. Quote unquote the ceremony. I don't know what's going on there, but shit. the kid who's forced to wear the wedding dress thing did not look happy. No. Was not That's comfortable Angel, enough. isn't it? Yeah, Angel's not happy about what they're doing and they're shoving him around. Well, have you seen what he says as well? Like, like oh, Everything's laughing and joking and they're all friends and then he says, I, I wouldn't marry a, a C word anyway. And then they all just start fucking laying into him. <laughs> like instantly. All the black guys just start like, beating on him. Yeah. And it's like, fucking hell, all these guys just turn on each other in like a fucking instant, man. I don't think it was because he said he wouldn't marry a black girl. I think it was because he shoved Angel like he did. No, no, the, it was right after he said that. that yeah, no, he said it him. and shoved Angel at the same time. And, and then after it got done, it was everyone just kind of patted him on the back and it was done. It was almost <laughs> like they're all going to get together later anyway. Yeah, it didn't seem to yeah. me like, it didn't seem to me like the black guys were doing that basically other than to say hey don't do not do that don't say that and then everybody just piles on and starts throwing one at him anyway just to rough up his suit and give him shit yeah I think they were hazing him more than anything uh, well, I, I think, think they're so, also yeah, like giving him a wedding day hazing that. yeah they're also pissed he gets to go out and see a girl you know well he's, he gets out for four hours yeah. even four hours and they just want to fuck up his suit to give him trouble yeah totally alright so they cut from this to Archer meets with a man named Mr. Duke who is kind of in charge I guess of this particular area yeah it's basically like because he refuses to go to church someone has to sit with him every sunday right this is the guy and it's that guy's turn he seems to be the the most decent of all the guards to me um you know he gives archer a little bit of 
coffee. He's actually giving him some of his time, lets him sit down and have a chat with him. And Archer fucks it up again because he can't keep his mouth shut. And actually, that leads us to our next clip. You might be a smart ass, Archer, but you're nothing but a fool to yourself. Okay, bye. You'll do the full stretch, do you know that? Well, they're not having me, Mr. Duke. Oh, I've got to save myself, despite whatever methods you bastards devised to destroy me. I'll get through it, but it's my way. Let's slip, Archer. I won't have insolence. Talk's one thing, but I will not tolerate insolence. Right, lad? <laughs> Right, sir. Look at you sitting there with that daft smile on your face. Why aren't you over there with the rest of them? I'm an atheist. What do you think that lot are? Disciples. Every Sunday there's an officer allocated to watch you. Just because you're too bloody pig-headed to sit in chapel for half an hour. And every Sunday, that's a little bit more you owe us. You know what the boss is like. You're committing a mortal sin sitting here. They're all atheists, but they don't put it about. I did hear you were thinking of turning Indian. I think about all sorts of things. Haven't you seen enough of them in here? Why don't you keep your nose clean and get out? Boredom. Nah, never was much good at that. Pass the time quietly. You don't hear me moan, do you, Mr. Duke, eh? I mean, I smile. I smile a lot. You're loose in the head, lad. <laughs> yeah, you know when I was in the scrubs, like, sweating it out in that filthy cell? Well, I had this matchbox. And it said on this matchbox it takes 60 muscles to frown, only 13 to smile, so why waste energy? You see, I'm, I'm doing time on a matchbox you know when i was out i always reminded myself you can take something good from every experience well the only thing i'll take from borstal was evil because you don't bloody toe the line no it's not that mr duke no I mean, now you take mr goodyear right he rattles out bullshit about character building morning noon and night <laughs> well it's impossible it's not on how can anyone build a character inside a regime based on deprivation it's a one-way contamination good fine minds thrown in with crazy perversion people. I mean, what am I doing here? Why am I on another wing where there might at least be somebody to talk to, where I could be civilised? I'm always looking over my shoulder. See, if it's not a screw at me, it's a con. Why didn't they send me to an open neck? You're too old for this, lass, I'll give you that. They should have given you a prison sentence. Right, right. I was happy in prison. Now I've got to finish my time with a bunch of snotty young hooligans. Two years of this, lass, before I retire. How long are you done? A long time. That's an hefty sentence, Mr. Duke. One way or another in prisons. Public service. Haven't you realised some of the lads actually like being? Uh, yeah, it's called institutionalised. That's a kill. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, in here you act, you're punished, and you're free. Outside, out there, you act, you're punished by your own guilt complexes, and uh, you're never free. And what little book did you get that from? This one, certainly not from what's on offer here. Mr Duke, I, uh... I don't wish to underestimate your lifetime's work, but uh, the punitive system does not work. I mean, my experience of Borstal convinces me that more criminal acts are imposed on prisoners than by criminals on society. Convinces you, eh? Fancy half of that mob charging up and down your street. Fancy your mother tackling that lot on the rampage. No, you bloody well don't. So what do you do about it, eh? Come on, what do you do about it? I, I talk about it first like we are. Talk's bullshit. You lock them up. Oh, it also so consider what happens to their guardians. Watch it, lad. No, come on, I'm serious, Mr. Duke. Well, we take yourself. For a weekly wage, you have been locking up men and boys for most of your working life, right? Now, hanging down your leg is a chain, your keychain, and the length of that chain indicates the time you have spent in the service. Right, you may not have been fortunate in terms of promotion, but the length of that chain gives you rank over other officers.
officers of similar rank only. But at the same time, it acts as a constant reminder that although you have spent your life in the prison service, you are still only a basic officer. Now, who gets the stick for that? Us. Who pays for that daily humiliation? Stand up, Archie. Wipe that fucking grin off your face before I knock it off. Name a number. 4721 Archer, sir. I give you my fucking coffee and you think you can sit there and have the piss out of me? No, sir, I didn't. I, I never get the chance to express myself. It's as well you don't, lad. I was only concerned with men being stripped of their dignity, cons and screws. We aren't much different in here, you know. You're only poor for insolence. <sighs> yes, sir. Stand up straight. All right, so this discussion that they have here, this is the whole of everything I have to say about institutions. Archer It's a great it. bit of insight, isn't it? And it makes yeah. you realize that Archer is probably more intelligent than the whole collective of people in charge of this whole fucking place. Like, he, you know, he's, in, he's incredibly rude to the guy, but the guy, obviously, he puts him on report for insolence, but I think he kind of, he, I think he agrees with him. I think he knows exactly what he's saying, and the fact that he's probably done the same job for 30 years with no promotion, he's as part of the system as anyone else, isn't he? I think that's what Archer was trying to get at. I actually think Archer doesn't have tact. I don't think he realizes that the things that he's saying, the expression that he's trying to do in the conversation he's trying to have here, that he's going to offend the guy by basically saying, yeah, you've gone I this far with no promotion and all you have is this longer chain for the amount of time, which only gives you a certain amount of stature with guys that are in the same position as you. Yeah, and nobody higher. And I think it's because he's giving him a bit of coffee and because he sat down sort of rolling the cigarette, I think maybe Archer just for a minute thought he was having a chance with a friend at the pub kind of forgot who he was talking to yeah he switches his approach to things and the way that he actually is talking with them he literally just opens up because he even says it too he's like look i wasn't trying to insult you i just don't have anywhere i can express myself and i can actually talk like this because if he tries to get philosophical and have this kind of discussion with one of the boys they're thinking he's going to tr- be talking down to him and like yeah. he's big time and they're going to try and fuck him up and mm. he, i thought what was interesting i don't know if you missed it earlier on that archer says when he first got there um he just gave everyone a bit of a wild eye and everyone thought he was a lunatic and left him alone. He does say that, yeah, at the very start and that's why Banks and everybody just kind of didn't fuck with him. And I think he's been yeah. trying to portray that for a while where he's just holding everything in and not expressing who mm-hmm. he is just so he can keep that going. I think like, this is probably the first opportunity he's had to have a proper human conversation with someone the whole time he's been there. And he just can't help but come across as kind of a little bit smug, a little bit patronizing. He has this kind of whimsical smile across his face, like he almost knows that he's he knows he's being rude and he can't help it. I kind of love him for that. He just at some point he realizes he's offending the guy. He kind of says, I didn't mean to offend you, but then when the guy gets the arse, he just kind of starts grinning a little bit. And I just think, Oh, Archer, (laughs) you're never gonna get out. This is uh this is me. Archer is me. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's who I am. Yeah. Every institution I'm at, everything that where someone can lord power over me, I'm poking the bear too. The reason that I'm holding it all in because everything that I was going to complain about what's so fucked about this particular institution, Archer says so perfectly in that clip. And yet yeah. he points out some very uncomfortable things that the guard doesn't want to think about. And I don't think it was his intention to insult him. But after he realizes that he's causing more problems for the guards, it goes back into that whole instigator mischievous thing. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And then he just keeps pushing it even further. And that's when the guy loses his shit and puts him on report and just (laughs) sends him on his merry way. After that scene, we then see one of the boys sitting down after visitation, I think it was. Now, was this Angel? Who was the... I I couldn't... I thought it was just another kid. Again, they all get mixed up with all these kids. But it's one of the, the black boys that's there. And he loses his shit and takes something out and slashes one of his wrists. That's Toy. That's the guy 
guy whose wife Candy died. Okay, that's that makes sense now. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Like I said, everybody gets so mixed up. I couldn't tell. Half the, there's three people it I can tell. Me, it took me uh, two times watching that to realize it was that kid. Yeah. yeah, it took. Okay, so I could tell three different people. I could tell Archer. I could kind of tell Davis whenever he popped up because he was kind of the smallest out of all of them. Yeah. But even then, I'm like, I'm not even 100 percent when it's Davis or not. Yeah, right. And uh, Carlin, because everybody's constantly saying his name, and yes. he's definitely a presence over everybody else, and that's that's about it. I couldn't even tell the guards apart. <laughs> the only reason right? I could, the only reason I could tell them, no, major, they all just merge into one horrible arsehole, don't they? Really? I think they did that intentionally yeah. in the film. I think they removed everybody's identity just on purpose. Yeah, they all kind of look alike, the guards. All right, so that was actually the one who lost his wife. He's slashing his wrist, and he's going nuts running around i don't know if he was trying to get the blood to pump faster when he starts going or if he's just literally manic and just gone when he's grabbing onto the bars and everything but instead of taking him for medical treatment they just drag him back to his room and lock him up or to like yeah. a, i think it wasn't the solitary right they just lock him up in his yeah. room yeah yeah i think i think he's, he's trying to get the fuck out i think like that's a real just desperate attempt to try and rip the fucking bars off the wall to get out you know he's just fucking lost the plot hasn't he yeah definitely all right so then we see archer is painting a wall with another inmate but instead of actually painting he just paints i am happy on the wall instead of doing and then two seconds later archer <laughs> yeah <laughs> he gets in trouble yeah. for graffiti yeah when he could have yeah. painted over anyway yeah but it's not really graffiti but because he didn't do what he was told to do at that exact and moment. Why can't you just paint Archer? Jesus. It's the principle of it, man. Uh, it's the principle mm. of it. I feel like I'm going to have to defend myself slash Archer here. <laughs> I totally fucking understand Archer. It just wouldn't be me because I'd want to get the fuck out of there as soon as humanly possible. But like I said right at the beginning, he is my favorite character just because he's the fucking hardest guy in there, isn't he? Not physically, but fucking mentally. Like he's the toughest fucking guy in the place. He's like the cool hand Luke of this particular institution. Yeah. Yes. where they yeah. won't let him break them no matter what they do. It's not that he's a better fighter. It's just that no matter what, he's not going to bend to their will. And that's what he's doing. And that's all he cares about. Well, he gets called yeah. into an office and we then see once again, the governor handing out punishments. Woods is given three days in the hole for basically being a fuck up. And yeah. That ought to cure him, right? <laughs> and then I think he starts saying, and then one month lost. And I don't think it's from the sentence. I think it was their salaries, right? Because I mean, being a general... I I assume that was an extra month on their sentence, but yeah, it might be just yeah, it might be just that their pay is slashed, maybe. Because he for getting an extra month onto his sentence, he sure doesn't really seem to be affected by that. I think yeah. he would have been more freaked out by getting another month in than just, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it's just earnings. And also for being a total fuck up, I don't think they're going to give him another month for just being a fuck up. I think they're just going to take away his salary. I could see a month yeah. on your sentence for fighting. I could see a month on your yeah. sentence for some other stuff, but who knows? Not painting. I am happy on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what ends up happening to Archer. He gets uh, he gets that end to the governor who gives him seven days in the hole and a month of lost wages as well. So I'm assuming a month of lost wages, but it might be another month onto his sentence, which I honestly think that Archer wants to serve the maximum on the grounds of proving how broken this institution is. And you get the yeah. feeling that Archer's the character that's bringing this story to everybody else and that's how the movie gets made Yeah, of this mm. situation. Like Archer's the one who tells the stories that end up becoming yeah. the movie. That's how I feel it goes, you know? And that's why he stayed in for two years, so he could see everything with the institution. Well, he's see, I got the feeling something. with Archer that his mum, his mum's probably died, because the whole reason he kind of uh, started going to work, I think, was to look after his like elderly sick mum. He does say that, and yeah. Then, yeah, and then he kind of started skimming off the top. Um, so I'm kind of thinking to myself, if his mum was still alive, he'd probably need to get out of there to kind of 
you know, to be with her because obviously she's can't maybe can't go to work herself. So I always kind of thought to myself that she's dead now. So he just doesn't give a fuck. He's just going to do his time. And do you think she's got no rush? Do you think she passed away and that's when he started skimming off the top because he didn't see a purpose for having that job anymore? And then no, he got no, I, for that? I think he was skimming. I think he she's just passed away. I maybe either just before he went in prison or while he's been in there, and that's why he kind of is in no rush to get out now. He just doesn't give a shit. It's avoidance behavior because if he goes home and realizes that he has to, that his mom's not there, then he has to deal with it. No, he's alone. Yeah, he can just kind of play oh. it off like he's just locked in here and it's some other matter of principle. That's a really interesting insight, man. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, if, uh, if this film was made today, they'd tell you exactly what happened to his mom, wouldn't they? But I like the fact that there's quite a, a few things in this where you don't really, you know, everything's sort of left to your own imagination, really, with regards to the people's backstories and things. You know, you're not really ever told too much about anything. And I kind of like that because you wouldn't really know, would you? You know? Yeah, it's added to the realism. Totally. Yeah. Um, but again, Love Archer and Troublemaker and an Atheist. That's the thing. Those are the two things that I'm positive he totally is. Yes. A Troublemaker and an Atheist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I want to identify with him and I'm kind of man crushing on Archer a little bit. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> Archer's the thing that kept me sane in this movie, dude. <laughs> I was so angry about everything else. It's um, it is really interesting that it's a different actor that he's the only only one that's different from the original version to this one is this. And I have watched both of them, and I don't know if it's just because he's the only Archer. He's the like the first Archer I saw, but I do genuinely think he is the better Archer out of the two that they get. He's just uh, he, he does play it a lot better than the than the first guy. I'm interested in checking out the original TV made version, but I definitely partial to this particular actor. He's really eloquent. He delivers his dialogue in a very timely manner, but also can push some real weight behind what it is that he's saying. You get the feeling it's almost like this character was written to be the voice of all of us realizing and coming to terms with what it is that we're seeing. And he's literally yeah. voicing what it is we're already thinking, but in a more mm. eloquent way to like like our thoughts get organized and like he's kind of our leader to take us through at this point. And the actor said like that's why he desperately wanted this part he said, I have to, I have to play this guy, you know, and he found out that the, you know, the part was up for grabs, you know, he felt so passionately about the, you know, putting across Archer's perspective, like, he, you know, he kind of made the role his own there. Yeah, you can totally see it. There's a lot of love put behind his, his portrayal in this role. And I'm very glad that they got that particular actor because he gives this film a lot more gravitas. He's the anchor that we have. The only semblance of any kind of sanity in this entire film, I think you can hang on that character. And I think it's just, it's well-written and it's well acted and I think that's the thing that would make me watch this movie again is is this character and I'm, I can totally see why he's your favorite in the film Andy yeah yeah maybe we should actually talk about that there's two different versions of this film do you want to kind of just expand on that a little bit and let people know how these incarnations came about since we're going to be yeah. comparing them a little bit this was originally made for the BBC in 1977 um, literally never saw the light of day um, instead being banned by the BBC before they ever got a chance to air it the BBC pretty quickly lost the rights to it I don't know if the rights only lasted about a year um, in those days for TV productions. So basically gave the director another go at making it, um, which he did in 1979. Now, ironically, you know, this was originally banned because it was brutally violent, but the remake, which is the kind of theatrical version that everybody knows, is far more brutal. Like, every violent scene is slightly more prolonged. I mean, it's not a spoiler, is it? We're going to be talking about this anyway. The rape scene's longer, the suicide's longer, it's far more graphic. And it got aired in about 1983 on Channel 4. Now, Channel 4 are kind of a show say like all the channels in america are supporting like trump and hillary channel four would be the one supporting bernie sanders it's a bit like uh 
it's kind of a different type of channel and it's even kind of like that in the UK now like when everyone else is kind of up the arse of the Tories and that uh, Channel 4 are the ones that are promoting like Jeremy Corbyn who was kind of the Labour Party guy so they showed it one night in 1983 it got banned after that basically for 14 years because of the BBC um, various sort of people in high power were absolutely fucking outraged and they basically called this a grave error of judgement put this on the TV <laughs> wow and I suppose in 1983 it probably kind of was I mean this is pretty fucking brutal stuff even for t- by today's standards I think yeah um, yeah it- so yeah I mean I've got both versions I have I've only watched the original sort of 1977 version once and it's it's really strange because it's the same script uh, it's nearly all the same actors um, Archer is the only one where they have a different actor because um, he was basically scheduling conflicts so they had to get a different guy in and there's a few little different bits apart from the violence like uh, they give Carlin uh, a missus he's basically um, like a, he's bitch he's got a guy that he shags in there he's kind of it's he's you know he tells everyone i'm not i'm not gay and if you fucking call me gay i'm gonna kill you but this is my missus and they wanted to leave that in the original guy that wrote it because he kind of thought it expanded carlin's character a bit more uh offered like a vulnerability to carlin that he really shouldn't have had in the situation that he's in um, but they decided to take that out apart from that it's really fucking similar and it's really like surreal to watch it because i'm really familiar with the 1979 one and like the way people emote certain scenes and their like the inflections they do on certain words that they say in the way that they say things is slightly different in the other one so it's kind of weird to watch the same words by the same actors just a little bit different it's kind of an interesting thing too because you have two different versions of it with most of the same actors but you have them getting to take another stab at what they're doing so yeah i mean it was um, a play as well so the kids that are in this had done this a hundred times anyway before apparently okay now that makes sense because these characters do not feel like characters at certain points when you're watching the film i'm just going to come out and say it it feels like you're watching a goddamn documentary yeah like, it really does mind well, meant to be like that um yeah i mean obviously the the lack of music was a, a very distinctive choice one of the people with the money said we need to put music on this and the director kind of made the other producer he just said look you're gonna fucking ruin this movie if you try and put you know, if you try and put music to it this needs to be as close to fucking gritty hard-hitting realism as possible please don't put a fucking score on it and luckily they didn't because i think it would have taken quite a lot away from it if they just had music in the background no you're absolutely right i totally think that was an excellent choice the reason that they did it for the gritty realism i think really pays off also just talking about different characters uh, the bank's character is actually about 70 pounds heavier in the original that would make him a lot more of a threat (laughs) yeah because it's weird one of the guards obviously because it's in the script talks about him being a really fucking big guy and when you see him you kind of think right well he's tall but he's not particularly big but in the original like 1977 one he is a big motherfucker like he's overweight he's not particularly muscle but he's a much more imposing in character and obviously the guy just went on a diet you know had a bit of a change of lifestyle in the two years between and he's obviously quite a different looking guy come the second one you must have heard Archer talking about being a vegetarian and decided to give it a shot <laughs> to see what happens <laughs> <laughs> alright so we then see there's some sort of a quorum where the inmates or trainees or whatever you want to call them are meeting with a guard the cook and a few other people and they're discussing the food and they're essentially trying to 
give feedback on what's going on with their food. And this is not something you ever actually get to see in any kind of prison film where inmates are actually allowed any kind of choices or decisions. Yeah, and probably because yeah. it is more of a, youth, a reform school yeah, than for a youth, prison. Yeah. But at some point in this meeting, they have to take a break. So then they're all interrupted and given some tea, which I thought was quite British. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're all allowed to have a few yeah, smokes. one real quick. And at one point... Did you notice there's a picture of the Queen in the background as well in that scene? It's pretty funny. <laughs> If they popped out their pinkies and then started discussing things very eloquently just because there's tea around it, I don't Let's think it talk could, about cricket. It couldn't get much more British than this point. <laughs> All right, so yeah. the guy that's serving the tea ends up talking to one of the main boys that's uh, been featured very prominently, and he tells him something about a notification that came through. And what we find out is the boy who lost his wife, who had passed away and cut his wrist and went a little bit nuts trying to break out or whatever it was that he was doing, he died. He bled out yeah. in the cell they locked him and they didn't take him to get taken care of. This sends that particular kid into a full-on paperclips moment. Throws his teacup against the wall, goes off on everybody yelling and screaming, and they all just look at him in this very British way going, why are you showing emotion? <laughs> Not allowed. Not allowed in here, boy. Uh, what's all this then? What's all, what's all this? Feelings. No, under no Shut circumstances. Up. Shut up. No feelings. <laughs> button it down. Button it down. <laughs> Chin up. <laughs> All right, so then they cut away from that, and Carlin is given a rundown on what needs to be done to keep his wing in order by the main guy in charge. But essentially what's going on is they're trying to keep the suicide under wraps, which is essentially what happened, or the fuck-up that they did where they let a boy die. Yeah, he's basically saying, can you use your influence just to fucking calm everybody down? We don't want this, you know, we don't want this negatively affecting the rest of the inmates, which is like, even like you say, no show, no emotion. Like, no one's allowed to react to this fucking terrible thing that's happened. Just pretend and if like they it do, didn't go. Yeah, pretend like yeah, it didn't if happen. Yeah, they do, give them a slap. Right. You're going to beat them down. You're going to quiet this. You're going to keep everybody in order. And that's what you do. That's what your job is here for. Yeah. And after that, he's sent on his merry way. And then we see in solitary, the boys are fed. And Archer, once again, being Archer, and as far as I'm concerned, the hero of the film, <laughs> decides to cause some more trouble because, you know, he didn't get ex exercise for that day. He knows what his rights are. The guard tells him that it was about to rain. He says, yeah, but it didn't. But shouldn't we have gotten some exercise? And while holding a cup of hot stew, he is shoved full force to the ground, hitting his head off the wall in one shot. Yeah. That looked like a full-fledged the kid took that was that genuine. Blow. Pretty genuine yeah, that, to me. Yeah. That was an owie. Yeah. And the stew gets dumped all over his bed, all over himself and all over the floor. So he gets an extra day or two in the hole for having a dirty cell. Yeah. He's like, dirty cell on report. He's like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> poor guy. I know. He just cannot get a leg up and he can't learn <laughs> to keep his mouth shut. He totally cool hand Luke in this scenario. <laughs> they cut from this to two of the boys talking trash about girls. And these are the underlings from Banks's role as daddy. They're commenting about girls. They're talking about how they're going to do this one big job to get some money because that's all they need to get money and they'll get to girls. And then when they are challenged by two of the other boys that are just tired of their horse shit, they start getting all alpha male on them again, particularly on the redhead who says he's had enough and he needs to shut up. The redhead also will not back down, reminding them that Carlin's the main one in charge and they can't really do anything with him around. And so they push back stating that it's some time Carlin's going to get out because since he's been in charge, he's basically been the model prisoner. He's been doing everything he can to keep his head down and keep his time calm. And when he gets released, they're still going to be there and they're going to cut him up for this as soon as Carlin's gone. Yeah. Wow. Damn. And I love the realization as well that creeps across their face when they realize, oh shit, yeah, you've got a point. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, eventually Carlin's going to get 
get out and we're all fucked again. Yeah. All right. They cut from this to... Your, your favorite scene coming up now. Yeah. They cut from this to a garden shed as some of the boys are digging up sod and ground and trying to prepare a garden area for... I'm assuming they grow some of their own vegetables or something. Or, yeah, it, or it could just be busy work to do. Well, it's definitely busy work, but that doesn't mean that the prison system's not going to grow its own vegetables to True. cut some cash. And plus, you have the kids tending it, so they'll have some type of work that they'll be able to do when they leave. They could possibly do some gardening work at a facility like this or something. It's an old Organic though. <laughs> organic. <laughs> I, I doubt that, but we'll see. Uh, so there's another younger boy working in the shed. Now, I did not recognize who the younger boy was. Was this the Davis kid or... Davis, yeah. He's the guy that's been fucking picked on the whole fucking movie, the poor okay. little bastard. Now this happens to him. Until we started talking about them and I started putting names to faces, it didn't flash to me that it was Davis until now. I just thought yeah. it was some random kid. Again, I could not and tell I the difference. I don't really know why he's getting this kind of shit because... <laughs> I mean, I know it's easy to pick on the small guy, but it's like, fucking hell, man. Like, it's been, the, it's pretty much the whole fucking movie. And I suppose it's just like, he's this weak character, isn't he, that everyone just gravitates to. Some people just attract trouble, I suppose. And uh, yeah, and this, this guy's just fucking had it the whole movie, culminating in probably the worst scene, I think. Or maybe, well, actually both scenes with him are the worst ones, aren't they? All right, so he's in the garden shed. He's working on the potting some plants or whatever. And at some point, the three that are out there digging, they ask for the ability to go have a smoke. And they go, I'm assuming, walking into the greenhouse to get warmed up. And that's yeah. when we see the three of them having a conspiratory chat. Now, the three of the perpetrators, was that any of Banks's underlings or toadies? I, I thought it was. Um, it's not. It's three guys that you've not actually seen for the whole film, which I thought was an interesting kind of way to do it. That it's nobody you've actually been exposed to so far they're just three complete randoms you've seen them in backgrounds and stuff they've been in other scenes but yeah it's just fucking three random guys that i think have just decided to to fucking give this kid a, a bit of a bummer uh, it's not more than a bit it's a lot more than a bit all right yeah. so after this little conspiratory chat the three of them charge up to the kid he asks them what the hell they're doing they punch him in the gut rip down his coveralls fold him over the table and while two of them hold him in place, one of them commences to bugger the ever-loving hell out of this Oof. poor kid. And the way that they film it, it's all from his face, it's all from his perspective, and you do see a couple of things where the other kid's on top of him, but the entire time, he's just begging them to stop, and he's too small to even fight them off or do anything. And the worst part is by the second one, he just pretty much is just done. He just blanks out. He's not there anymore, and even though he's begging them to stop, he's not even really able to move anymore. It just keeps happening. There's like a second guy that jumps in and starts raping him and while the second guy is going after it the main scumbag guard that has been the thorn on the side of everyone walks right the fuck up and watches through the garden shed window right through the greenhouse does nothing and looks like he's kind of enjoying watching this happening mm. it's the most disturbing thing scene in the whole film for me that that the, the thought of that of him not, not doing anything and then the third one goes in to do what he's about to do for raping this poor fucking kid and then the guard that was off doing the gardening portion of it asks what's happening what's taking so long and that's when the guy comes in and starts saying alright alright get moving or whatever and then asks the kid who gets tossed to the ground what happened and this is the part that really breaks my heart he just says I fell over even though he's bawling and it's clearly that's not what happened yeah. and the guard is essentially I think just sticking the knife in deeper the guy's a total sadist he knows what yeah. happened and he's trying to make the kid get up he's trying to make him get off the ground and he's just driving the point home 
home, if you will, or just twisting the knife a little bit more. Then he just leaves him there crying on the floor and alone and sad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Later, we then see the same poor kid just staring ahead with Carlin sitting across from him. He's unkept. He looks like he hasn't cleaned himself up from what has happened in the attack in the garden shed. Doesn't even look like he's changed his clothes. He's not eating. He's just not there. He's completely checked out. And then we see that one of the rapist kids is sitting right next to him. And then he says he was bored being stuck in the laundry all day today. And that he was glad to be out and do a bit of gardening and that he's going to be back tomorrow. And then he looks at poor Davis and says that he will see him there, implying that this is going to happen again. I never noticed that. That's the same kid. He was he was the main one that did the fir- he was the first one to rape him. And he, mm. I'm pretty uh, sure all the fucking times of uh, all the times I've watched this film, I never fucking noticed that, that he was going to get it again tomorrow. That's what he implies, because oh, he's like, we'll see you again tomorrow or I'll see you there tomorrow yeah. or something like that. Oh, fuck's sake, man. That's the thing that I think drove Davis over the edge right there. Yeah. We then see him crying again in his cell. And I think he knows what's going to happen. And he wants to tell a guard, but he's too terrified and institutionalized to speak up. And that's when he goes up to ring that, that alarm bell for help. And the guard fucking comes to help him. Okay, no, not going to do it. Everybody knows I'm outraged. Yeah. I don't need to express it. He heads in and checks in on Davis. And Davis tries to talk to him, but can only weep and just basically says that he was terrified and that he's alone. Then the guard threatens him with violence, saying that he will give him something to cry about if he doesn't button it up and be more British about it. Oh, Jesus Christ. And this doesn't... Yeah, I mean, what fucking level of institutionalization is the guard got as well, where he he's not affected by how upset that kid is. He just doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't like, even... You can see that kid is literally on the verge of suicide or whatever, you know, like he's... he's He's a fucking broken little child and he just fucking has a go at him. Like, what the fuck, man? Give him a hug or something. Shit. He doesn't even ask him really what's going on. He doesn't even try and do his job. He just basically wants to go back to that desk and kill time. Like, he's every bit as fucking gone as everybody else that's in this facility. And it's just the worst because he threatens a kid with violence and that he's not allowed to ring the bell ever again. Unless it's a 100% an emergency. Like, he's lost that privilege as far as the guard's concerned. And then the guard just leaves him there. We still see him crying. Then he's sitting alone in his room. Uh, Uh, in a chair in his cell and then he climbs back into his bed we see he has a double-edged razor blade he pulls it under the sheets and we hear him cut something and you hear a moan as he as he does it like it's it's a very clearly audible cutting noise and then he whimpers almost as he does it and then a bunch of blood starts pouring out soaking into the sheet as he's bleeding profusely and then just when you get used to seeing that and processing what's happening you then see him cut himself again and then he's bleeding profusely you kind of know what he did but at the same time you're not sure what he's cutting here and then he pulls the sheet away and you see his wrists and there's tons of blood everywhere and I think he regrets what he did I think he wants to live he didn't he decided that this wasn't the choice he wanted to make that there is another option for him he rings the bell for the panic and the guard sees it realizes what cell it is just ignores him fuck that guy yep the guard just ignores him and then we just see the kid screaming and wailing in his cell and we know he dies sometime in the night but we don't know when then we see the next morning they all get woken up up and the guards go looking for the kid because he doesn't leave his cell. They open the door. They see him there dead. And all the boys are shoved back into their rooms before they can see it and deal with what's happening. The guard that let him be raped is just standing there seeing what happened from what he's done. Doesn't even register on his face that he caused this. No. Just looking at the victim of his negligence doesn't even register that it's his fault. Doesn't even seem to even be concerned or care other than the kid's dead and it's his charge and he's probably going to get in trouble for that. I like how genuinely concerned Archer looks 
as well. And Carlin kind of does as well when they realise that, you know, when they all get put back in their cell. Because you kind of know that only means one thing, really, don't you? You know, if uh, if one guy doesn't come out of his cell, unless it's a Shawshank scenario, you know, it only can there is only one option there, and it's that he's killed himself. Absolutely. All right. So then the following meal, again, not really knowing if that's lunch or if that's their breakfast immediately after this. I'm assuming it's right. They all got up. They all got ready. This is their breakfast before the start. Yeah. Of the day. I think so, yeah. None of the boys will eat, despite the orders of the fucking guards to do so. One. And they even get Carlin as well. They even say, Carlin, make them eat. Like he's the fucking one in charge, and obviously they don't. Yeah, the neglectful guard goes right up on Carlin and tells him that he needs to start eating because everyone will follow his example. And he's like, you need to eat. You need to make them eat. They are all defiant. And that's when he singles out Carlin. And the boys begin chanting something. I don't know exactly what it is. When Carlin dead. Gets dead. Okay. I couldn't tell. I, I Even in the headphones. Um, then Carlin is ordered once again to eat. He gets up, throws his tray against the wall in the cafeteria, and then the cafeteria erupts into chaos as all the tables are flipped over, chairs are smashed, thrown against the wall. The boys it's begin... old-fashioned fuck-it-all. The boys begin piling up all the smashed tables and the chairs and everything else, chanting once again, and they're still chanting dead, right? Yeah. And then we then see... Essentially, they cut away from that, from this little riot section after the boys wear themselves out and have nothing else to smash. We then see the three boys, Archer, then Carlin, and another boy. I couldn't tell who that was, but they're all bloodied about the face and in chains, and they're dragged into the solitary cells and locked up. They just fill up the cells with all these boys. Yep. But those three main ones are the ones that they focus on. Yeah, it's basically it's Carlin um, Pretty Archer. much had the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, and Toyn, like the guy that kicked off when he found out his mate had killed himself is him as well, isn't it? Yeah, he's, <clears> he's one of the ones that rioted too. And they yeah. they throw them in there, leaving them bloody and barely conscious and still in chains, and they don't take them out of the chains and they just lock the door and leave them in well, there. Of course. Yeah, well, that's... I mean, know. that's part for the course for these guys. We then see after that the governor or warden having a bit of a chat with everyone through a megaphone, and that is going to be our final clip. First, the damage was to faithful. Loss of earnings for all until every damaged article is faithful. And to encourage you to work hard, make good this willful debt with all expediency. There are no privileges. None. You have to earn. Not With regard to our ad friend, I would remind you all that sad and unfortunate accidents occur in institutions like this just as they do outside. We are all accident prone even here. It's most regrettable but I will tolerate no further outbursts like the one recently witnessed. I will not tolerate it. There will now be one minute silent prayer for our departed friend. Okay, so the kid is just absent yes and he's departed you know it's as well they say um uh, like they only seem to refer to one suicide not the black guy because they just say our departed friend right and it makes me think they're they just giving a minute silence to the little white kid and not the black guy because that only happened about a day before didn't it the other guy like there literally was two suicides in as many days and they only seem to be bothered about one of them yeah that was uh that was definitely the thing that it ended up becoming what the fuck yeah (laughs) and it's at that point when they do the moment of silence that they roll credits and we're all a part of that moment of silence Okay, so, yeah, we're framing this over the phobia of being locked up. Um, oh, phobia of a lot of things, really. <laughs> this is a whole lot of nope. Everything about this film and everything that this film is talking about with these institutions is a whole lot of nope. And uh, you had said, too, to me, Andy, whenever you chose this initially, that this was going to be a bring-your-own-cinematic-trauma, so... Yeah. I'm interested in the first time that you watched this and how it affected you, so the floor is yours, sir. I was quite uh, old. I was 17, I think, when I first watched this, and a friend just recommended it to me just because... 
because I think I was sold on the snooker ball scene. That was that was kind of the reason I watched it. Probably one of the most powerful prison films. I think it's one of the most powerful British films I've ever seen. And I do find it really fascinating to see what people, especially like how different the culture is in America to over here, just how the how it kind of plays out. And if you can almost appreciate the performances, because I know I've spoken to some people that have watched this and kind of are not used to the way British people talk. So kind of didn't really think the performances were that good. And I kind of think, really? I think the performances are fucking excellent, considering not many of these kids have ever really acted apart from doing this thing. You know, like Alan Clark is kind of well known for getting people in and just getting these incredible performances out of people that hadn't really acted before. And I know a lot of them are very well versed on this. So the amount of rehearsal these guys had had was pretty immense because it was a play and then it was a film. But I don't know about you guys, but I think this is incredibly fucking hard hitting and it had a massive effect on me at 17 because now I feel so desensitized um, to all the shit I've watched over the years but this I watched it again today for the first time in quite a while and it's fucking harrowing as fuck man even like you know 20 years after I first watched it or 19 years after I first watched it it's just fucking brutal and it stays with me I think it's probably one of the worst rape scenes I've ever seen in my life uh, the suicide scene just makes my fucking skin crawl yeah it, it traumatized me when I first watched it when I was 17 and it fucking traumatized me about two hours ago as well when <laughs> I watched it earlier today. It definitely is a good film as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah. It's very well acted. It's very well put together. It's masterfully done. And I do believe that a lot of American audience that may or may not have appreciated this, I just think that culturally some of the discussions and some of the things that are happening don't necessarily cross over and it doesn't yeah. quite fit. Now, and there's a lot of terminology that probably may not make sense. And I know the dialogue's pretty hard to pick up as well i mean it's probably better to watch it with subtitles for some people because it is difficult i had a mate a turkish friend who was staying with me and he watched no country for old men he did not know what the fuck was going on <laughs> in that film and he spoke perfect english but he did not know what the fuck was going on and i think um yeah that's the kind of the only reason i can think because uh yeah I, I just think this is a fucking a great film and there's not many filmmakers like alan clark i think this is probably the best film he did um he did write a lot of stuff for the for, for television um but yeah I think this is this is definitely his best film and I think it's so powerful even today I mean this is what now 34 no 40 year old movie yeah most of the people that are in this I did recognize in other things and they're all yeah. old men now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean Ray Winston and you know stuff like Beowulf and The Departed you know just this young 17 year old lad yeah and it's yeah. really weird to see him young because he's always been old to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm actually pretty fortunate I'm able to not have dialect really bother me that much so long as it's english for the most part i can kind of figure out what people are alluding to given the background so some of the have terms you seen, um, have you seen train spotting either of you two yes i have watched train spotting quite a few times actually yeah. i've seen it like I once i yeah i absolutely love that film well in um they redubbed a lot of it apparently in the in the american version obviously if you watch the proper uk version they don't but even in that there's a scene in the nightclub where they're like uh, subtitles for the british people because apparently they thought british people would really struggle with the scottish accent so they popped in like subtitles i think it was kind of ironically you know in the club scene where he's saying one thing to his mate and the subtitles are completely different to what he's saying almost like it's translated to english which is pretty <laughs> Um, but yeah, like Trainspotting, uh, that's another fucking amazing British film. Uh, to, for me, like the grittier, the better. Like my missus hates stuff like this. I think she has watched this movie like once. 
But if it's really gritty and realistic and hard-hitting in English, she just doesn't fucking like it. It's not the grittiness, it's the Englishness, I think. It, like, reminds her of maybe, like, where she, you know, when she was younger growing up kind of thing. She just doesn't fucking like it. But for me, I don't know why I gravitate to stuff like this, even though it, it traumatises me. And I probably won't watch this now for another good few years. Um, I just I just fucking love it. I love how, how realistic it feels. I think it raises a lot of important points and a lot of important... It puts a mirror up to our institutions and to our societies as a whole. You see this everywhere. This is humanity at its rawest and most real. It's using an institution as simple as a boys' reform school, which should just be about trying to bring these youths back from the brink that they're on and just shows how even at this very early stage of this system, it's far worse than anything you could even imagine. Well, there's zero rehabilitation going on, is there? You know, there's the pathetic pathetic attempt at a counselling session with a you know complete fucking she's just got no humanity she you know the, the matron it's like she's the closest thing they've got to rehab and they don't get it and i think that's just what's really fucking sad about this and that i think is just prison systems all over isn't it you know there, there are certain prisoners where it's not really about rehab it's just about keeping society safe but the other like 80 percent of people you're meant to be rehabilitating them you're meant to be giving them a chance so on the outside they can re-ingratiate you know back into society and become good law-abiding taxpayers they don't even care about that in this do they it's just it's pure punishment well in our prison system currently in this country it's not even about punishment it's not even about reformation it's about money making it's been right so you get like it is like a where it's uh you know a contract basically goes out to the, the lowest bidder i'm assuming yeah they are essentially putting people in prison that are non-violent drug offenders like a kid who gets busted with like an ounce of weed or some shit like that they're giving yeah. them the mandatory minimum and sometimes as much as they can for the maximum a lot of our judges are elected and they get a lot of donations from the prison special system interest groups yeah. and most of them are prison for profits the prison system that we have in this country is essentially set up to punish non-violent criminals and keep them longer in prison than even the violent ones as long as they're poor as long as they're poor and they can't get the yeah. defense to get out it's essentially money making either the lawyers are getting the money to keep the people out of prison and then the fines are paid and all this other shit or it's essentially just there to keep these nonviolent offenders in as long as possible so that these contractors that are running the prison systems can make more and more money and what's even more fucked is a lot of the people that are in charge of our justice system I'm looking at Jeff Sessions in particular have serious investments in these privatized prisons yeah it's it's horrific over here yeah pretty bad so the fear of being falsely in prison just on the hope that they can keep you in there and make money off of you for this privately owned prisons is very yeah. real in this nation. And if, yeah. if you think these institutions that are actually government run that we're seeing in this film or even the ones that are not privatized are bad, think of how horrible corporate culture is and the cover-ups that they put on and then imagine yeah. them running a prison. Yeah, it's fucked, man. It's so corrupt. It's weird because um, in, in England, like you can't get put in prison for possession of drugs. It just doesn't happen. We need to move. I know. <laughs> Like, we're incredibly fucking lenient over here. Like, the only time you'd go to prison for shoplifting is if you were literally, like, you'd done it again and again and again. Like, the amount of people that would just get a final warning, and then the next time they get caught, they get another final warning and another final warning. Possession of cannabis, possession of cocaine, MDMA, like, you don't go, it's just, you just get a fucking slap on the wrist or a caution. You know, you don't even really get a monetary fine for that in the UK, except cannabis. Um, they have something called a street warning where they you basically take 80 quid off you, and it is just a way. It's 
bit like a fucking speed camera. It's just a way to get cash. You know, they don't really give a shit about the fact that it's cannabis. They just look at it as a way to get an £80 fine. So, yeah, the, the fact that in America you can go to prison for like the mi- most minor of possession is fucking insane. You could go to prison for taking a 12-pack of beer that you bought in one state and driving it across a state line. They can actually make it interstate trafficking if they want to throw the book at you for just oh. the sake of doing it and then right. put you in prison and then you can be in there for an amount of time. And with the way that our justice system is currently going, they're literally trying to find anything they can to put someone in prison for an extended period of time to make more money. All of our laws that are currently being changed are for that exact purpose, particularly if you are the wrong shade of skin. Yes, they're yeah, pushing right. it even further. It's horrifying right now in this nation. Yeah, it, Watching this film and having that in the back of my mind made it that much more a whole pile of fucking nope. Like, yeah. this is the most reserved I can possibly be discussing this stuff because if I start going, I won't stop with the things that I have to say about how fucked these systems and these institutions are. And this film brought all of that to the surface on me in ways that I was not ready to deal with when I was writing it down and doing the notes. Well, my work here is done. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is an excellent film, Andy. I do not regret watching it in any way, shape, or form. This is a great choice, and I honestly think this is a great way to close out November. Instead of just talking about all these things where we're dealing with our fears, we're, we're dealing with the fear of how fucked our own society is, and that's a whole lot of nope for me personally. Yeah. All right, folks, we're going to take another break here. We'll play a promo for another podcast, and we'll have a little bit of music, and when we come back, we will just close out this very somber show. All right, all right. Welcome to the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. Oh, Dave, Dave, oh, the phone there, man. This isn't a show. It's a promo. Oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Wait, a, a porno? With just the three of us? Oh. Well, I guess I'm game if you guys are. No, 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 you idiot. A promo. Oh, promo. I, I knew that. I was just cracking wise. Okay, can we do this now? Ah, wait, looks like I lost my notes. What are we going to do? Of course, okay. Look, I'll, I'll handle this. All right, everybody. I'm Christian. You may know me from TJF13. This guy over here, that's Dave Z. You may know him from Banana Laser, The Skeleton Crew, the ABCs of Hidden Horror. And this guy, this guy over here, that's Brandon. Brandon? That's it? That sucks, man. Yeah, what the hell's with that? There's nothing else you can say? No, not really. Well, he's quick with a joke. Or a light of your smoke. But there's someplace that I'd rather be. Ah, who cares about us? Let's say something about the cast. Okay, cool. We're the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. We review, dissect, critique, and make fun of horror movies new and old. Sounds a little bit cliche, but I guess it's okay. Dave, why don't you tell them a little bit about some of our big shows, like the 40 Years of Horror, our Top 50 Slashers, even our classic format of pairing a new and an old movie together. Yeah, and how I have to edit like three, four-hour shows twice a month just because we watch and review so damn much. Yeah, and how we do feature-length reviews, shorter-length, round-robin reviews, top 20 topics, and a lot of fun interaction with listeners. That about covers it. All right, sounds good, guys. I knew we could do it. Tell the fine folks out there where to find us, Dave. Oh, yeah. Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast can be found on Horrorophilia.com, the Horrorophilia Network, LegionPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere that fine podcasts are heard. All right, that's a wrap. Now, guys, tell me, what's the deal with this uh, porno? Are you the caboose or the engine? Them's the jokes, folks.
fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we needed right there. A little bit of prisoner yes. from so- of society from the living end. It encapsulates, lyrically speaking, everything we talked about for this film pretty much. Exactly. Oh, fuck yeah. I feel a lot better. All right. Before we close out the show, Andy, let us know what you're uh, working on or what projects you'd like everybody to check out. You know, besides your remodeling of the house. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll upload some photos of my bathroom online. <laughs> Um, I'm not working on anything podcast-wise. Like I say, I'd like people to check out Doing the Nasty if they haven't. Um, that's a pretty cool show that we were doing. And it's interesting because watching this back today, um, this didn't get caught up in the video nasties. Well, it kind of did in a way. It, didn't, it wasn't on the list, basically. You know, there's that list of 72 movies. Scum was never on the list. But the shit that happens in Scum, with, with the exception of maybe something like Cannibal Holocaust, this is far fucking worse than any of those video nasties that I ended up watching for that show. Um, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm surprised um, it wasn't on that list. Yeah, I mean it was banned, so I suppose that's kind of why it wasn't on the list because it was just outright banned, so you just weren't allowed to have it anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean this this is a fucking video nasty. This is my idea of a video nasty. This and you know and this is a, a finger to society as well because people didn't people didn't want people to know that this was going on in Borstals. This put a massive fucking spotlight and changed everything. You know, Borstals changed after this movie came out. So it's very fucking interesting. And I was a bit nervous. You know, when I've like, uh, you're introducing someone to a film that you really love, there's always that thing of, oh God, I'm f- like, <laughs> I hope they like it. And I could kind of tell about 25 minutes in that you guys were digging it, you know, with all the clips and stuff you were playing. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pleased. Uh, yeah, check out Doing the Nasty. That was a pretty cool show that we did. Um, Duncan keeps trying to get me to come back and do season two. Then if you've seen that list, there are even more movies on the second list than there are on the first list. Um, and I just don't think I can bring myself to sit through 84, I think, shit films. There's some good ones on there, actually. Dawn of the Dead's on there, um, Friday the 13th. But there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of nope on that list as well. <laughs> but not nope, like, I can't handle this nope, like, yeah. oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> no, this is just like, I'd rather literally paint the door and just sit and watch the paint dry. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's on that list. And uh, we would probably be put on that list as well, as a lot of people would rather watch a paint dry than listen to our show. Uh, yeah, I, well, or at least maybe they're just so offended by listening to what we say sometimes. <laughs> well, if you're not offended, you're already listening to the show and you know where to find us, but maybe you should tell your friends. You can reach us at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We have a Facebook group, Cinema Psyops. That's awesome. An amazing group of people. People are awesome. Yeah. Have you seen our... the latest alternative yes, photography that's yes, popping up yes. from our, our live episode? Love it's been it. amazing. Yeah, you can find us there, Cinema Psyops. Just search the groups on Facebook. I'm all Court Psyops on Facebook, and Matt is Matt Psyop. If you're looking for Matt, if you found the plank that says brutal because he's too much of a coward to reveal his own face, yes. you found the right person. <laughs> I won't, I won't argue. He may or may not friend you. He's not really on there very much. He's only on there during the show, so he doesn't have to do anything. I always keep up with my friend requests. <laughs> you keep up with your friend requests? I do. So if yeah. anybody sends me a friend request, I always accept it. You can email feedback to Matt, styopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know that he's very lucky he didn't end up in a barstool himself. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that you feel like he should have been in prison and maybe it would turn him into a better person. <laughs> 
You can find us on Twitter. You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats. I'm at court underscore psyop, and Matt is at psyop Matt. And there is nothing funny to joke about sending us photos from this film. Yeah, no, no, no photos from this film. Yeah, so just send us nudes of yourself or yeah. something, yeah, anything to make us feel better. Enjoyable. Yeah. Doing something that makes you happy. Yeah, something to counteract all this nope we've had yeah, for yeah, all of yeah. November. Let's, let's take good some happy pictures. <laughs> yes. If they happen to be nudes, they happen to be nudes. Or in Andy's case, the remodeling is how it's going in the yes, house. We'd yes. love to see those. You yeah. can tweet us at those for yes. <laughs> for sure, man. Or his nudes. That's fine, too. Yeah. yeah. Or the remodeling while he's nude. All of that's fine. For the record, we're into all of that, Andy. <laughs> I know, that's fine. I always uh, paint and decorate in the nude anyway because you don't get paint when you close them, do you? That's, I can't argue with his logic. I'm going to have to close out the show because that's Dude, Bank Bank right we gotta there. we got to go. we yeah. got to go. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, Andy. We really appreciate it, even though the movie really brought us down. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for getting me started on a great way to go for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, good luck good look with that, fellas. <laughs> Apologies. And everybody, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. side of things. Oh, yeah. Well, like a new inmate in the prison, let's get into it then. Oh. 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 Brutal. At least he believes. He has a believe in Christ. So that pissed me off even further. And I, I think Matt can attest to this. I'm really yeah. I'm rigid right now trying yeah, to hold this like, in. Uh, he's, he's doing his best. I'm, I'm actually pretty proud. <laughs> just, just bite the side of my cheek and feel that pain and focus. Come on, man. Yeah. You can do it. I dumped all of your food all over you. Now you've got this mess. You're on report for what I did to you. Yes. <laughs> it's a power trip. Oh, it's fucking awful. It just... Okay, hold, hold it back. Hold it back. You're all right. You're all right. I'm good. I'm good. He's a theocratic piece of shit. He really is. I... No. Just slow down. <sighs> no. Or still... else we're never getting out of here. I know. I have a lot of shit to do today. Yeah, okay. Just gonna... keep it... Keep it... I'm keeping it chewed back. I'm <laughs> doing good. Chew it back, man. <laughs> God damn it. Institutionalized theocracy. Oh, and in my notes I wrote, fuck that, because clearly I was very angry and I'm going to keep that chewed back right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lock it up. I'm trying, dude. This is the most Andy, reserved. Andy, don't you do anything over there. <laughs> Andy can say anything he wants. Yeah, yeah. I just can't respond That's, because I'll, we'll be here for 82 years. I think he knows how to push your buttons. <laughs> Every- I'm just going to leave it now and step away. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sees the smoldering fire, Matt. Yeah, I'll <laughs> kick the hornet's nest and I'm just going to It feels like I'm sitting here trying to defuse a nuke. I'm going to be real honest with you. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. Everybody's got their own priority to do.
out and go.